Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 388. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Uh, 388, that's only 12 away from 400. I know, 400 is getting close. We're going to have to start thinking about what special little thing we'll do for episode 400. Just make Connor do it by himself. <laughs> I mean, it would devolve into whiskey talk real quick, right? Probably. Like, yeah. Uh, whiskey talk uh, or, or hockey manga that he's been tweeting about the last couple of days. Uh, uh, yeah, 400 is quite a feat. Uh, yeah, that's coming up soon. Uh, and that should mention here, if you didn't catch it, everyone, because I didn't know exactly what day it was going to go, so we didn't yeah. promote it in advance, but the annual episode for the year did go out before this episode. Annual number eight came out sometime, I think it was Thursday it came out for everyone. Uh, so if you haven't checked that out, go back and check it out. Uh, Connor was on that episode and we did mm-hmm. debate the top 10 DC comics of the year. And it was probably the toughest year of debating we've ever had. So, Yep. Yeah, go and, go and check that out. It, 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 I wouldn't say it was a lively, but it did get spirited. It was just, there were just actually things to fight over, though, because there were mm-hmm. so many choices uh, yeah. and some, some differing opinions. I mean, we're still all speaking terms, so it didn't get too far. No. Unfortunately, we're still in speaking terms with Connor. Yeah. You know, him Him and his... Oh, God. He, he went off on an anti-King tirade, and I just had to leave it, which you should be proud of me for not <laughs> responding. Oh, he kept going on Twitter as well. I saw him go on, but yeah. I think I've realized why I don't like Tom King anymore. Like, and uh, like shut up, you filthy so, ginger. That's like saying that you don't like a Spielberg movie because of the way that he frames the camera. And it's like, well, wait. Give me something more tangible than that, bud. Like, you... We... we Let's discuss, like, what he's saying in those books, not, uh, you know, he's he's a fool. Ah, yes. Welcome, everyone. It's the DC Comics Podcast. We get together and we talk about the books we read this week from DC, which is the last episode of 2023. Mm-hmm. Um it's the last week of books from 2023. It just it just so happens the the, the timing of New Year's has fallen in such a way this episode is going to go public on New Year's Eve, meaning this is the latest it could possibly be and still be in the year that it could be. So, yeah. here we are. Yeah, yeah. if you want to spend, uh, you know, if you're antisocial like me and you don't really want to be at parties and stuff, you can just put us in your ear and, and spend New Year's with us. Yeah, I suspect most will probably wait until, you know, the first or the second to, to yeah. listen to the show, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand, but yes, uh, happy New Year's, everyone! Since it'll mm-hmm. be the new year or coming up on it, but time you listen to this, twenty twenty four. We've officially been recording together for ten years. Like that passed back in like November, November, December. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Not in this show. This show no started in twenty sixteen. But mm-hmm. yeah, there was a couple of years of different things of us doing stuff. It was all terrible because we weren't very good at it yet. But no, and it took it took me about a year to get an actual microphone. And Pete kept yelling at me not to stop using my my headphone microphone because it sounded like garbage. Oh, it did sound like garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shame uh... on you. Uh, I'll be honest, Matt. I'm impressed that the mic you got is still lasting to this day. I, I thought you'd have to buy a new one by now, but no. <laughs> fair enough. It's, it's I mean, to, to be fair, I, this is all this is all I do. So I don't. It's not like you guys, where you guys are constantly true, using the mics true. and and whatever. I have I have updated the computer since, right? So I've been recording this on my laptop for the last couple of years. 
Uh, it, it, notice the the digital sound is away because my ancient Mac. Oh, I remember that happened ever so yeah. often before, but there was a cut do 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 every yep. once in a while for no reason. Uh, some some of the the listeners uh, that are friends of mine uh, had since then called it brainiacing, and they go, <laughs> "Oh no, he's brainiacing again." Um, and then one of them is like, "How much is it going to take? How much do I need to kick in for you to get a new computer?" And that's <laughs> what made me bust out the laptop. That was, you know for work things and you know other projects but it's it's been pretty okay since yeah know. i mean it's not like you have to put that much you're, you're literally just using a skype call you don't have to record mm-hmm. anything you're not doing anything on your end it's no. just me mm-hmm. so yeah. i just show up it's great i get yeah. to be like i'm like on a talent contract but part of that is i don't get to make any decisions so it's fine I, you just tell me where to go tell me what to do and i, and I try good point i should be telling you to do more that's a good point i should i should uh, no, not more you should be telling me to do less because uh <laughs> three out of four weeks i tend to read more books than you do that's not on me i don't yeah, tell you, you to do that <laughs> no that's what i'm saying you don't need to tell me when that you do more you purely to do a, less purely a mac creation that's what that is anyway yeah. uh coming up on this week's show everyone we have titans beast world Mm-hmm. Issue 3, Titans Issue 6, Detective Comics 1080, we have Action Comics 1060, we have The Flash Issue 4, Green Arrow Issue 7, The Penguin Issue 5, Amazon's Attack Issue 3, Justice Society of America Issue 8, Batman Santa Claus Silent Night Issue 4, and Power Girl Issue 4. Well, Issue 4 is this week, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, that's what's coming up on the show. It's still a healthy week. I read 9 books, Matt did 11, The Crazy Bastard. So that was the that was the week in DC Comics. Next week as a reprieve, I only have like three books next week. It's, it's going to be magical. Ugh, hallelujah. We have such a nice lazy Saturday next week, not reading anything, barring three books. It's going to feel great. So <laughs> that's what's coming up on the show today. Of course, though, we will start with Matt's favorite segment, your favorite segment, everyone's mm-hmm. favorite segment. It's the Comixology Top 10. So we're going to look at how the books are ranked on the Comixology sales page right now. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll look at Tuesday first. Obviously, that's DCD. Matt, what are you guessing for number one? I'm guessing uh, Beast World number three. That is incorrect. What? Really? Oh, wow. Is it Titans? Nope. Really? Hmm. I'm going to think about my third, my third guess. Is it the action annual? Nope. Okay, there are three three strikes on, and I'm out. <laughs> uh, number one right now is Justice Society of America. What? <laughs> I'm shocked. I don't know. John's name still carries a lot of weight, I guess. It is John's and Janin, right? So, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, number two is Titans. Mm-hmm. Number three is Action Comics. Number four is Beast World. Number five is Green Arrow, for some reason. Uh, number six is The Flash. Number seven is Alan Scott, Green Lantern. Number seven is Detective Comics. Number, or sorry, number eight, sorry. Number nine is Silent Night. And number 10 is Batman, Brave and the Bold. Meaning that uh, Power Girl, Penguin, and Amazon's Attack are all falling outside the uh, 10. And yeah. Cyborg as well. Cyborg's at number 15. Yeah. So, yeah. And Harley Quinn's all the way down. It's the lowest book in yeah, DC that's... for this week. Yeah, there. I haven't heard about 
Harley Quinn in a very long time. So, like, I don't even know if, if Stephanie Phillips is still even writing it. No, it's uh, Tinny Howard that's doing it. Uh, Tinny Howard. Oh, wow. Yeah, see? Yeah. Uh, that's how far out it's been. Yeah, so, uh, again, as we always say uh, with that and Poison Ivy and a couple other books, I'm sure the variants on the physicals are more than mm-hmm. propping up the sales, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to be doing that well digitally. Uh, looking at Wednesday for the rest of the industry, what are you guessing for number one? Uh, let me pull that up, because it may... I forgot to get rid of DC. So let's see. Let's see. There's a, there's a couple X books. There's a image book. Oh, there's a new GI Joe, but I doubt that that's there. Um, so I'm going to get some mortal X-Men. Uh, you're correct. All right. Actually. Very good. Uh, yeah, uh, that's number one. Number two is timeless, which is a Marvel book and it's, mm-hmm. uh, Kelly and Lansing, uh, on that. Let's I, see what this is about. Is that Moon Knight? I think that's Moon Knight on the cover. I, I can't tell though. It's, it's like a hooded figure. Yeah. Kind of, but it also looks like Luke Cage. Like an older Luke Cage right there, but uh, it's the... the Behold the future of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, yeah so the, uh, the Moon Knight unending has risen, a nightmare born of Stark Tech, the Eternal Machine, and the God of the Moon, and now all Earth bows before his overwhelming power. But once man stands against Khonshu, Power Man... The Marvel Universe final living superhero. So it's kind of like uh, old man Luke Cage. Okay. All right. Number three is X-Force. Number four is Duke, issue one. This is a Joshua Williamson book. Uh, Josh Williamson, G.I. Joe. Oh, it's G.I. Joe. Okay. Yeah. Well, none of that sentence makes me want to read it, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, but it's Tom Riley on the art. So, I mean, Tom Riley's not bad. Not enough to make me want to read a, a G.I. Joe book, though. No. Uh, number five is Predator vs. Wolverine. Number six is Avengers, Inc. Number seven is the Sensational She-Hulk. Number eight is Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Number nine is Spider-Woman. Seems to be a, a spider event going on called Gang War, judging yeah. by the, the banners on those covers. And then number ten is Star Wars Dark Droids. So that is the Wednesday Top Ten. Have you heard anything about this Universal Monsters Dracula? Because the covers look dope. Um, I can't say I have. I'm just yeah, I'm seeing that cover. Is that a, is yeah. that a Wolfman though, or a wolf? I'm seeing on the. Well, you remember in, in well, I don't know how familiar you are with the, the lore. Oh, it's tied in as well. Um, uh, with the lore from Dracula, is he can turn into a mist or a wolf, or he's very much more supernatural. He's not just the Bella Lugosi. Yeah, no, I've, I've I I read the original book. Believe it or not. Yeah. So. I'm sure that's him in wolf form standing over a victim, but uh, very probably. Yeah. Yeah. It looks it looks very moody. Uh looks but yeah, I didn't know if you knew because I know I know you like the Dracula. Hmm, interesting. Uh who is it that's printing that? Oh some each. Okay. Yep. Interesting, interesting. I had no idea that Titan was doing an image Dracula book. But yeah. the Universal Monsters banner on top of it. Yeah. Cool. Uh yeah, the covers for all three of those are pretty nice. Uh, yeah. Looking at the, the past one. It's only a four-issue miniseries, so it's almost done. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if he's going to do a series of minis based on different characters or, or what. But uh, very cool, very cool. Uh, there's the Comixology Top 10 for the week. I uh, hope everyone mm-hmm. enjoyed it immensely, as I'm sure you did. Uh, so we actually do have one piece of news, Matt. Yes. Um, Big news. It's actually kind of sad, but... 
it's not too in- imminent. It's, it's actually quite yeah. far out in advance. Uh, and that is that we now know when Ram V's detective comics mm-hmm. run is coming to an end. It is going to end with issue 1089. But to remind everyone, the issue we're talking about this week is 1080. So this is nine issues in advance, and it's back to monthly, I believe, starting in January. Okay. So that's nine months notice. Cool. So, uh, you know. I had I, I, seen the headline, but I didn't know what the number was. Yeah. It seemed like it was coming a lot sooner. Um, but I did see that Ram V had said that it's about 30 issues worth of story by the time it's all said and done. Ah, by the time he's done, yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty solid run. Yeah, no, the run's obviously fine length. I, I, I like this extended notice, though, because I think... Mm-hmm. I, I think I'll enjoy going into the final arc, knowing it's the final arc, and be able to appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that we're building to the ending. I think, mm-hmm. to compare it to the Action Comics run that's just ending this week, yeah. is that I didn't like only finding out about that when the last arc had already started. Because I was like, oh wait, yeah. I wasn't prepared for this one to be the last one. I didn't mm-hmm. come into this story with this expectation that it was the final one. I really like that I can go into the last part of this run, and... It's not even like the the arc that we're going to be starting in January will be the final one. I imagine that will be like a three or four issue thing, and then the final arc that'll mm-hmm. wrap the whole thing up will start, you know, down the line. And I think you mentioned as well there'll be an annual and a special as well, still on top of those yeah. nine issues remaining. So we're still got a hefty amount to read, and it will still take up most of twenty twenty unless they start double shipping again at some point. Right. But that's another thing altogether. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. It has to end at some point, and I'd rather it kind of went on its own terms and it's it's ending yep. the run that he always planned. This isn't mm-hmm. getting cut short. It's not being extended. It's ending exactly where he always planned to end it. So, which which you know, outside of Swamp Thing, I feel like that's been his bag the entire time. You know, Swamp Thing got extended, so we got you know, uh, got to enjoy that for a bit longer. Well, but... it did, but I think it was pretty clear that he. It always yeah. planned for those extra issues. Like mm-hmm. he was hoping he'd get those extra six. Yeah. But But yeah, but everything else, all his other runs like Justice League Dark and all of this, he he seems to write to to the end of his intended story, which is good. I'm I'm glad that DC lets him do that. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what he ends up on after this. Although I would suspect that we might get something starting before this even ends just yeah. based on the fact that he obviously had the vigil going alongside mm-hmm. detective for and a he's exclusive there. now too right except for his creator owned yeah uh, yeah he signed an exclusive yeah. contract uh, yeah. yeah i want to say that was earlier this year mm-hmm. uh so probably he's in the early stages of whatever that 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 you know time is that he's exclusive mm-hmm. so I'm sure he's got stuff cooking at DC that we've not heard about yet, and that'll be fun yeah. to hear. So, you know, obviously, it's always a shame when something's coming to an end, especially when another run that we've really liked is coming to an end right now. But yep. uh, this is plenty of notice, so there's time to sort of savor it and know that it's it's going to be ending when it is. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm not too upset about it, but it is what it is, and uh, yeah. Uh, so. Hopefully, we have more Ram V books to enjoy by the time he's done with that, and mm-hmm. hopefully, whatever detective's going to afterwards is something that will uh, be equally appealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find out. Not for a while, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, maybe during the summer when they're doing all their the Comic Con style something, appearances. Yeah, something to counter the Zdarsky Batman stuff. 
Hey, yeah. Zarsky's Batman might be over by the time this is done as well. <laughs> Don't tell me the good time. <laughs> that said, we'll lose so much content. Uh. Oh, well. I'm sure we'll find something else to make fun of. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm probably still going to be reading Green Arrow, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And even I'm still reading the A. Williamson book. Yeah. Well, two, actually, because I'm still reading Batman and Robin, so. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, there you go. Easy. All right, well, that's, that's, the, that's the news, everyone. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that was the one thing. Uh, it was pretty quiet otherwise, though. Uh, I mean, it is Christmas after all. We're, we're yeah. in that week between Christmas and New Year. Uh, most people don't tend to announce things at this point in time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see what the New Year brings, but uh, that is that. So, we'll get into this week's books then. Uh, we will start off with the event. So, Titans Beast World issue 3, Tom Taylor writing, and Lucas Meyer on the art for this issue. So, this is a switch from Ram V. <sighs> Uh, no, no, Ram sorry, v. Ram V. Sorry, we we're just talking about Ram I, V. Ivan yeah. Reese. It was the yeah. it's because of the Ivan. It's the V. It's the V in yeah. the name. It, it made me yeah, think yeah, of Ram you. V. Um, How dare they both have V's in their name? And yeah, so it. so look at Lucas Meyer, and it's kind of the same as the Ivan Reese elevated house style. But I will say I love a lot of the the small touches that he puts in. On some yeah, of the characters. Honestly, Matt, I was going to say I saw a different artist and went, oh no, different artist, that's a yeah. shame. And then I read a few pages and went, you know what, this is at least on par with Reese and possibly even slightly, slightly better. Yeah. So, you uh, know, no complaints, actually. The fact, the fact that his Peacemaker resembles John Cena, I always get a kick out of, you know, when, when artists do that. And we also, you know, got Starfire suplexing a, uh, a black adam lion so like good good on him like he's really i'm trying to see what else that he's worked on but uh, he did a lot of titans work in uh that titans united blood pack uh so he's very familiar with these designs uh, and i think it worked out so, yeah I, I will say compared to ivan reese he's got just a, a slightly uh flatter style and i don't mean that mm-hmm. in a bad way i actually kind of yeah. prefer it a little bit because yeah. uh Ivan Reese, I like, but sometimes he has that thing where his uh, his, his art can look a little shiny, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's like mm-hmm. a shiny quality to it. Yeah. And I think I like this slightly more muted uh, mm-hmm. art from 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 Meyer. But uh, yeah, so a, a lot of the chaos that started off in issue two is still going on. You've still got Lion, Black Adam fighting with Donna and Starfire. Uh, we have that going on uh, starfire sets off a big explosion or light to mm-hmm. take out all the spores uh very nice page she's sort of hugging yeah. donna to shield donna from the the, the blast mm-hmm. um and then we got the flashies showing up to try and help and all this is going on uh we have dick scott wolf batman caged up in titan's tower and he's talking to a doctor who lives in his building, because what part of the scene that happens to you mm-hmm. is that she casually mentions, oh, stop messing around with that mask, Dick. I live in the building. I see you coming and going yeah. all, all sorts of hours. I figured it out. And this this is the one lady that he watches out for with the kids, right? I think so, so yeah. Wa- yeah. They watch the puppy for him while, while he's out and about gallivanting, being yeah. Nightwing. And they're referenced so, here because they're, they're in yeah. the, the, the Titans Tower lounge uh, mm-hmm. watching TV. Well, yep. they're watching Teen Titans Go by the looks of it when we actually see the TV Which- later. Which I don't know if you've ever watched Teen Titans Go, but it's very self-referential to others. So I've seen know, I, the movie. I've never watched the okay. show, but I saw the movie. Yeah, so it's very Looney Tunesy in that it's very self-referential. So it does make sense, like as an in-universe cartoon, 
you know? Uh, so I do like that. That's like a small touch that uh, I'm sure Tom, or Tom Taylor threw in there. Yeah, and obviously Dick's been slashed to hell by Wolf Batman, and she's mm-hmm. like, no, I need to check you out, I need to make sure you're okay, yada yada, and Babs is all for it. Uh, and this is where Detective Chimp walks in, and this got a big laugh out of me, is the doctor lady here grabs her torch and throws it at Detective Chimp, mm-hmm. thinking one of the, the beasts have got inside. And they're like, no, 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 he's not part of this. He's actually just always a chimp. He's not, this is this is normal for him. <laughs> so I, I get a good chuckle out of that. Uh, I, do, I do get, he goes, you think I'm one of the beast people? I get that not everyone has my powers of deduction, but I'm talking and wearing a hat. <laughs> the talking and wearing a hat really got me. Yeah. So, yeah, so that sets up some stuff with him, uh, which we come back to later in the issue. Meanwhile, a bunch of the Hawk people are mm-hmm. attacking a plane. Gorgeous art here, actually. I thought the plane yeah. going down with the flames coming from the wings, all the Hawk people over it looked really cool. Uh, and Power Girl shows up to catch the plane and try and help them out. But as she's holding the plane, her mouth is wide open and a spore jumps into her mouth and we get a a bit of a transformation and she turns into a flaming hawk a a flame bird if you will a flame bird yes yeah 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 uh which i still there's there's still a lot of questions i know we're still only three issues in but i have a lot of questions on who becomes what still like why why isn't she just a regular bird person is it because she's kryptonian is it, you know what I mean? Like, what is it that turns her into a flaming bird as opposed to just a regular? Actually, I think I've got an answer for this one. Okay, what's that? Well, like all Kryptonian, she's storing a lot of solar energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, flame bird. So, in, in essence, it's one of those things that, that, like, the Beast Boy spore with its, you know, just shape changing also can access the the kryptonian dna all right i, I can buy that i mean i'm not sure if i'm saying that I'm, I'm just well i'm just saying like there's you know not like i don't know so like again would would whatever superman get turned into would he be a flaming thing too well i mean remember right. the tie-in last week clearly implied mm-hmm. that uh maxine could manipulate mm-hmm. what they were turning into so it, it, right. it does say that it's not set in stone it feels like right. it's almost like a, a spin of a roulette wheel to an extent yeah. and or, or maybe someone is influencing it maybe right. it's beast boy himself unknowingly as part of this new big thing right. or maybe it's someone else but either way she's mm-hmm. a big flame bird and she starts wrecking the plane <laughs> that she was trying to help luckily though john uh john mm-hmm. kent that is shows up and goes electric blue and starts to fight her uh, to try and protect the mm-hmm. civilians and that's where we leave them so there's a lot of chaos in this uh, we go back to starfighter fighting black adam who's a lion and yep. he actually runs off uh, yep. after a bit of fighting and they kind of deduce that, well, he's an animal, so fight or flight. When he realized that he couldn't win, he just bolted. Yep. But this is where Bobo brings in some other ideas here where he's like, he can kind of sense that there's kind of a purpose to what they're doing here. Like someone's behind this using them. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone's got an agenda. It's not just random chaos. There's something driving this. Yep. Um, and we see a bunch of the bigger heroes fighting Garo up in the sky. You get your Superman, mm-hmm. your Shazam, so on, so on. Um, and this is also where uh, they try and slow down Garo by using Donna's lasso, and Raven yep. tries to help give her a boost. So we get a big couple of pages of that. This issue ends, though, um, with 
Amanda Waller because we know that she's using this and she wants to use all this chaos to do whatever mm-hmm. she wants and she's on her way to Rikers Island to go and meet Lex Luthor she's going to pull him into whatever she's doing mm-hmm. and the narration here talks about how you know all of this was to give her permission to do what she's about to do whatever that is and we can make some you know broad guesses that she wants yeah. to build some sort of ultra controlling suicide squad where she's now controlling the the government and she's got the authority to do whatever she wants to protect the country but one of the big things the narration keeps getting at here is that she wants everyone to see the heroes like she sees them as nothing but dangerous animals and mm-hmm. that kind of ties into all this so so because i didn't read her her you know adventures on earth three and whatever book that was i'm wondering if something that happened on earth three which is the crime syndicate if something happened that has kicked her into high gear because we've always known that waller's had it out for the heroes but she always kind of just it was live and let live yeah that that core thing's not new for sure yeah Yeah. she's always felt that way yeah but something that's kicked it into overdrive enough to you know to her to use the peacemaker and um the other one uh the girl version I forget what her name was, but to start, you know, putting pieces in there. And then she goes to Lex because she wants something he stole from Batman. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder what that was, because we did see that in the Williamson, the short Williamson run on Batman before Zadarsky took over that uh, Lex had bought in, what was it, Batman Inc.? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if there's some sort of infrastructure thing there. Um, But... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't have a guess as to what that is, because mm-hmm. it, it might not even be something that was specifically pointed out before. It's just that they're using yeah. that that storyline mm-hmm. to say, oh, whilst that was happening and Lex took some things from Batman, and yeah, we'll find exactly. out that's now, what I mean. So. That's what I meant by, like, infrastructure thing. Like, there's something there. But I do like uh, Lex and, and Amanda's back and forth here, you know, where he's just like, you know, I'm sorry. I have to, I'm afraid I have to do hard time for my many, many crimes. And he's just sitting there. Uh, and this is again the Lucas uh, Meyer art here, um, uh, that it's just just Lex the smug look on his face as Waller's yelling good. at him. Like, I think yeah. this this issue shows off a lot of fun little character moments like that, and the the facial art mm-hmm. where, where you mm-hmm. want Lex here at the end or you know to start with Dick and and Babs, but it yeah. also has those big action set pieces like Power Girl with the plane and the the yep. the, the, the fire, all that stuff looked great sequentially as well as the the line work. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this has kind of introduced me to Lucas Meyer and made me really like the art, uh, which, yep. is, which is great. Uh, the final line that Waller has is that it's time to slay the Beast Boy, which to me th- says that, okay, she wanted all this to happen, but now she's ready to, like, stop it. Like, she thinks it's enough damage has happened for her to get the Wait. power she wants. Maybe yeah. the, the president gave her the okay, whatever it is. That said, though, I suspect that when she tries to put an end to it, it's not going to end the way she thought it would it it wouldn't work or it won't be as easy and it's like oh no now we need the heroes to actually win this fight because my whole plans went up the shitter that would be my expectation at this point but we'll see how it plays out chaos is a ladder but for her it's not tall enough you know (laughs) so she's still she's still gonna need a boost but yeah, no, I just, I like, this one read extra quick too like when I got to the end here oh yeah, Yeah, I was like oh man, I'm already done so uh, a lot of good action set pieces, and again, the Lucas Meyer art. Like, there's that page where um, John goes electric blue, and and Power Girls behind him, and just the the coloring with, with the electric blue, and then her flame bird stuff going on. Uh, it just it everything looks great. Like this, 
books really coming together. So, and I'm looking when I clicked on Lucas Meyer, he's on another two issues. So okay, cool. We have we have that to look forward to. I, would, I believe he's on I would guess, four and six. Yeah, so, I, I was just about to say I'll guess the next one. Uh, yep. Because because Reese did two in a row, I'd expect him to do mm-hmm. two in a row, and then yep. uh, I guess they trade off the last couple. So. Uh, yep. No, I think the art's really good. I think this issue is a lot of the chaos, but the art is mm-hmm. so good at showing it that I just kind of like seeing all these things happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the the key plot points are the Waller stuff at the end and the stuff with Bobo kind of like, you know, and obviously he's probably talking about Waller, but the him like sort yeah. of telling that to Dick and the other Titans yeah. gives us a sense of uh, them sort of starting to put two and two together and maybe that'll progress mm-hmm. in the story as we go. So... Yeah, really, really solid middle issue of an event. I'm really having a lot of fun with this one. Um, this obviously, by its nature, can't measure up to say the first issue because all the big ideas get introduced with that one. Yeah. But as a as a middle chapter showing all this chaos happening, um, and seeing more of Batman as a wolf is also fun. So, uh, what, what are you rating Beast World I'm, issue three? I'm gonna give this uh, an eight point five. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I think I can agree with that. Uh. Yeah, 8.5. Very nice. Uh, so, Titans, issue 6. Tom Taylor writing with Travis Moore on the art. This naturally follows on. Uh, the arc that's going on in Titans mm-hmm. for these next few months is tying in, of course. And this is set after issue 3, and it does feel very naturally placed. After, yep. uh, Unlike all those uh, world tour one-shots, that, mm-hmm. which are all over the place, and they all seem to be set wherever, this legitimately feels like Titans 3.5. Um, yeah. To the point where... Like, I, like, I'm sure if you just read the main book, it'll probably work. But this, as I was reading, that felt essential to the to the overall story to me. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, no, because of of where they leave Starfire in Beast World 3, to have it pick up with her here, with the threads that have been going on in Titans, Taylor really made that work well, yeah. you know? And again, I'm sure if you read this before you read Beast World... It would still work, but I feel like we got more from it from reading Beast World yeah. first, and um, then this. Unless they tell me otherwise, I think the the, the go to yep. rule when an event's on and there's tie-ins is mm-hmm. to always read the main issue of the event yep. that week first before you read the other stuff. Yep. And I think that worked here. And when this book started, because I you know I opened the first page and it's mm-hmm. it was like oh it's a flashback to uh, Tamaran. I thought oh mm-hmm. that's how he's going to do this. This arc's going to be all flashback stuff, and I thought it was yep. just all going to be set in the past. But after a few pages, of course it you know, it jumped to present day. And I was like, oh, okay, so we are going to do more stuff. And it did feel like it continued straight on. And mm-hmm. there is some stuff that happens here, which feels like it has to be reflected in issue four of, of Beast World. I don't see how they can mm-hmm. avoid bringing up some of this stuff that happens. Yep. So, yeah, we, we get the some backstory to, to Kari when she was, uh, like, a, I don't know, preteen, give or take, something like that. Yeah. So, and, you know, she's in the royal family. There's an advisor with her named Xander. Uh, and so, um, Zandir Harris from Sunnydale, California. Yep. Um, and so he, that was a quality joke. I don't feel you appreciated that enough, Matt. Yeah, it it was fine. Um, but so she's supposed to go off with her parents, um, but she goes off with Xander instead. Um, and, uh, the Citadel attack, which is a, this is a key part in Corey's origin. Um, and the tower that her parents went to gets destroyed, you know, uh, leaving, you know, her, I think they re- refer to her brother too, right? Um, no, her sister, Commander. 
Um, I don't even know if her brother's canon anymore. Uh, that was a thing in Supergirl a while back. But um, uh, but her and Commander are, are off, and then it gets into her origin of being, you know, given to the Citadel and experimented on her getting her star bolts, and then you know how she had saved herself. Can, can, I just but, want to jump in here and tell yes. the people watching the video that the audio is not out of sync. Like, Matt's literally out of sync with his audio and video for me as I'm watching him live on Skype. So that, that, this is not, like, oh. the video pro- a video problem. Like, you're gotcha. good, Matt. No, you're good. You're good. Oh, it's, okay. it's just that your video is behind for some reason. Okay. So do, are we are we back or no? Yeah, just keep going. Yeah, there was, the, like, everything okay. was coming through clear. You just... Okay. I'm just letting people know there's nothing wrong with gotcha. their playback. Uh, yeah. Actually, gotcha. the, the one thing I liked here is uh, Corey pointing out that her and Dick kind of share about like you know trauma yep. because they both witnessed the 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 murder of their parents. Uh, although, as she points out, mm-hmm. Dick went to stay with a billionaire and trained to be a fighter, where she yeah. had to deal with an entire you know planet being enslaved and having to rise mm-hmm. up and fight back. So yeah, and, yeah. Well, we get... I like the part too where she says that she saved herself, right? And then you turn the page and you get to this gorgeous flash page of Travis Moore drawing her uprising. With you know, shooting the star bolts and her hair is is big and flowy, which I always love when they draw uh, Starfire, which is just this big bushel of hair. Um, and yeah, it just it looks really good. Uh, just a big fan of that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great page. Uh, and this is where I realized they're rushing through this part. And I thought, oh, I guess we're going back to present day. Because I thought, because mm-hmm. if we were going to just tell this story as an arc, yeah. you, you wouldn't be rushing through this part. You'd be right. you know telling the story of the uprising. But of course, after that, we go back to present day, and it's mm-hmm. her chasing after Black Adam, who ran away from her, you know, in Titans yep. issue or in Beast World, sorry, issue three. So it flows on nicely from that. Like it's really well orchestrated. We're mm-hmm. reading this after Beast World three feels so good. It felt so natural to jump into this, um, and you know, Dick's still with Babs at Titans Tower, and they're mm-hmm. they're talking about uh, the fact that there's a force field. The Doctor Lady's neighbor's still there, talking about Batman, talking about. Mm-hmm the like oh you may have to get the parasite out of them that's the only way to make this work and th- this is where like yeah if you hadn't read beast world issue three i think a lot of stuff here would have felt kind of abrupt because in fact i even by accident referenced this when we were talking about uh beast world there i said we yeah. see that the kids are watching teen titans go but that wasn't yeah. in that issue it's in this issue it was in, it's in this one that's right cool because i went through and started looking yeah and i was like I don't, I don't see the teen titan stuff but yeah. We, we moved on so to, quick. To, to be fair, I think we did a good job of not yeah. crossing the streams aside from mm-hmm. that one little slip uh, yeah. and kept these two separate. But that did, you know, that, that just shows you how much this naturally falls on and feels like yeah. the next chapter. Uh, so the big thing that happens here is that, uh, what's his face? Tempest. Uh, mm-hmm. Garth. Garth. He shows up, and because he's got credentials to get into the building, he can bring down the force field. Uh, so that they all start panicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's they, they worry about the kids because the kids are in the lounge, and it's like, okay, we have to do something about about him. We have to deal with that. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, the other Titans are around, uh, like Wally, and is with Bar, and they have to keep doing stuff because they're evacuating mm-hmm. Kandak. Donna has to keep a hold of Garrow in the in the space. Yep. So the others, though, Raven, Cyborg, and Starfire, are like, okay, we're on our way. Um, in fact, Starfire specifically says, hey, there's other people here to take care of Black Adam, and we see a little cameo from Shazam and Mary Marvel, yep. which, is, uh, which, is, which, was, yeah, which was nice, because obviously they've got their own stuff going mm-hmm. on right now. So, 
Yeah, so uh, we have so we have a lot of action in Titans Tower with Nightwing and Babs fighting various monster people and uh and whatnot. And interestingly, Brother Eternity uh, stumbles onto Wolf Batman mm-hmm. uh, and he's got such a shitting grin in his face. And and still the fact that even in his beast form, uh Bruce Bruce gives him a growl, right? So he might still be out of his mind and under kind of the influence of Garo, he still doesn't like Brother Eternity. Absolutely. Uh, which is a nice touch, knowing that Brother Eternity set set out the Necrostar, right? So, like... Uh, yeah, which he's pissed about, by the way. He's pissed mm-hmm. that uh, his Necrostar was defeated, yep. and now this Garrow shit's going on. He's, he's coming uh-huh. to Titan's Tower because he wants to sort this mess out. Uh, so, water starts flooding the place, and they're like, shit, that's Tempest. Because, <laughs> obviously, yep. he likes water. He is an Aqua character, after all. And it looks like a Sporg is into into Nightwing and the only reason why I say it looks like because it definitely is getting in his mouth the way we sort of end the page with the start of the effect happening Mm -hmm. and then we don't see him again for the rest of the issue does make me think that maybe next issue you know we might see someone just grab it and pull it out at the last second before you know because we don't see him transform we see his eye change a little bit in a close up panel but, yeah, it looks like a cat's eye, right? Yeah. But, but we don't see like, a full transformation, and I, I wonder if we're going to like quickly reverse that next issue. But um, I think what's so neat about this is not only does it feel like the natural next chapter to Beast World, and it feels kind of mm-hmm. essential, honestly, given what happens in it. If, I mean, if, Beast, if, if Nightwing has turned, that's going to be really important. And even the fact that all the characters who were in Titan's Tower and Beast World have now been attacked by Tempest and are now evacuating and they're dealing yep. with all this shit... It feels important for the ongoing story, but I think what I really think's genius about how this has been uh, like constructed is that Starfire then shows up and runs into Brother Eternity. The fact that we're mm-hmm. dealing with all this Brother Eternity stuff in the Titans issue makes a lot of sense because if you are reading yep. Titans, this feels like you're paying off all the stuff that we've been doing in the ongoing mm-hmm. book um, as well as feeling like a part of the event. So I think it's really neat how it feels... It doesn't feel like it's compromising its own yeah. ongoing story to be a part of the event, no. and I think that it, feels really cool. Yeah, you know, the the Green Lantern books used to do this when they were doing the big stories, right? So, like, the Sinestro Corps war would be going on, mm. but, like, the stuff that was happening in Green Lantern Corps was still very relevant to what was happening before the event started. You know, it was still, you know, the personal dynamics and the characters that they were going after before, now that they've their yellow rings and whatnot... So yeah, so give give Tom Taylor credit there for this is how he's choosing to handle it, you know. Yeah, and also uh, Travis Moore's art feels very complementary to the Meyer art in the yeah. in the main book. It feels like they're not the exact same, of course, but they're very similar styles overall. I'd say. Yep. Uh, I I would probably say I like Meyer's art a little bit more, but it, you know I, you could go out. I I could see why you would say otherwise. Yeah, the, the Travis Moore has a more like there's a more uh, I don't want to say finished quality. But I don't know. There's something like with the shading, like you said, it, it's kind of has that roundness that the Ivan Reese art has, mm. you know. So, but yeah, but it just you know, Travis Moore drawing Starfire. I'm never gonna be mad at. So this was a big win for me. Yeah, uh, uh, Starfire demands to know who Brother Eternity is and why he knew about mm-hmm. the the Necrostar. Necrostar and all that stuff. And he basically melts off all of his fake makeup and skin. Uh, mm-hmm. and reveals like his true colors and the big cliffhanger is that not only is this a, a tamaranian this uh-huh. is zandir this is the guy that was looking uh-huh. after her on the planet uh in the flashback so uh and yeah and 
And it's curious too, because, you know, when she goes into, you know, in the flashback, when she's been, you know, given off to the Citadel and having to learn to fight, right? She's praying to her goddess, Exhal. And we had seen in, you know, the first issue of the Beast World that the whole reason Brother Eternity is doing this was like the Necrostar was like one of the Tamarinian old gods. And he was trying to destroy, you know, that, the uh, idea of Exhal. So when at the end here, his last, you know, sentence is, you're going to give me my uh, blanking god back, princess, you know, and makes it feel like, again, the stuff that happened in Beast World, but also Titans, everything is mattering, right? So it's just, it's one one story that's weaving in and out, and it's handling real well. Yeah, this event is part of this, in the same way that Sinestro Corps War Mm -hmm. and Blackest Night were part of John's Green Lantern run, this is part of Taylor's uh, Titans run. Like, there's no question. This is, yep. if there's ever going to be an omnibus, this event has to be in the book uh-huh. with these issues. Uh, yep. It's super relevant to all of it. So, but uh, yeah. So, so Evil Tamarini, he's at the Star Bolts and stuff too, which, you know, the whole reason Corey has the Star Bolts was the experimentation. So, what has he done? Right. Uh, you know, so there's more to him going on, which I like. Anytime we can get more Tamaranians that aren't Blackfire, I'm here for. Yeah. So, but maybe she'll show up too. Maybe you know, maybe there's stuff going on with her because they did they did name drop her at the beginning. So yeah, this was so good. It almost makes me wish that this came out next week, just so that it was like another main chapter of the the event yep. uh, on another week, rather than getting what felt like two chapters in one week. Yep. But mm-hmm. what's weird is that I almost think that this was a little bit better than the the main chapter. But they they both feel equally main chapters of the event. Like this feels yeah. essential to me. So yeah, it's like it's like three A three B. It really is. Uh, mm-hmm. I I would recommend anyone reading the event if they haven't been reading Titans for whatever reason that they, they should be picking up these issues that are. In between. I, I mean, I imagine most people reading Beast World probably have both. been reading Titans because yeah, I feel if you're reading one Tom Taylor book, you're reading them all. Very I mean, probably. At least, yeah, at least. At least uh, that that's what's been going on in my comic shop, right? So, like, if you – in your pull list, if you're pulling one book, they're making sure you get all of them just because, which is nice. Yeah. So, No, this yeah. is really good. It's, it's funny that uh, on the annual episode we were debating does Beast World – should that be just sort of counted as part of the Titans run? Mm-hmm. And I feel like now that we've read these two issues this week back to back, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, part, of, it's part of his mm-hmm. Titans run. It just is. <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, and i think I, I really like both these issues and i think i might have liked this one even a bit more of the two mainly just because there was i guess more like big moments in this one uh mm-hmm. like it's like the main issue had the big action moments with this with this you know uh, power girl and all that stuff yep. but this one had the more sort of like concrete character moments for for starfire yep. and mm-hmm. all that stuff so yeah yeah we're really good uh what were you writing uh titan uh- six now this is definitely because I'm biased because of uh, <laughs> huge on Corey, but th- this is a nine. So uh, uh, yes, uh, I, I'm just I'm just debating: do I stay with the eight point five? It's just a slightly better eight point five, or, yeah. or does it go up to the nine? Yeah. Um, I feel like both of them together felt like a nine. I think separately, yeah. I'm going to give them both eight point five, if that okay. makes any sense. But, no, it does. It's because they they both feed off of each other. Yeah, they're, they're re- stronger together than just apart. Yeah, reading these two together, it was a fantastic chapter of the event. I think either one of them on their own may have felt a bit lacking in one way. I think both of them together, back to back, though, which is how I read them, pretty much. Yeah. Perfect, perfect week of the event. 
uh, all those World Tour one shots feel like absolute misery in comparison. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate I appreciate it. So yeah, eight point five for me. Very good. Detective Comics one thousand eighty Ram V rating with Jason Sean Alexander and Mike Perkins on the R. What so, a combo! Those a two combo. styles, those two go together. I think better than than uh, than uh, Alexander and uh, Liam Sharp did. Lamb and tuna fish. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Is that not okay? That was a, that was a. I don't a know why. I, just, I made a Big Daddy reference there. I don't know why yeah. I did that, but yeah. We all know you secretly love the Sandman. That's okay. <laughs> the Sandman. <laughs> Alright. Um, okay, so this is the end of this arc. This is the, the last of the double shipping issues. Uh, we start off with Gordon and Selina. They've got Batman who's, you know, unconscious in the back of this mm-hmm. van. They're driving out the city. Uh, so we start off with a pretty big action sequence as obviously the, the, you know, the bad guys have realized what they've done by this point and they're chasing them in a van. With a rocket launcher, no less. So we get a big page where the the van tumbles over and Gordon and Selina are getting Batman out and trying to crawl away with him as Selina's yelling, you know, you're not getting Batman unless you get him over my dead body. Uh, And that's when some backup shows up. Obviously, we teased at the end of last issue that Mm Two-Face was going to get involved and he does show up and Two-Face is getting involved in large part because, well, he has some beef with the Argums because they... You know, they, they messed with them. You know, that was something way back in they, the first arc of this run. Yeah, they tried to delete Two-Face, right? They tried to put the asthma on Harvey. Harvey ended up letting Two-Face take over, and it got rid of the asthma, right? But part of that was is that Two-Face got to take control fully. So now Harvey's kind of gone, and this is all Two-Face operating, which I do love, because the how he makes his appearance, right, is when Selena yells over my dead body, one of the Oregon guys is like, suit yourself. And then the, the soldier next to him goes down. And then you look on, on the Oregon guy, and he's just covered with like laser sights. I mean, nice and, little detail. I didn't notice this when mm-hmm. I was reading it. But the guy mm-hmm. who gets shot actually has a red mm-hmm. laser sight yeah. on the panel before it. You can see it on his yeah. head. Uh, and and then you touch. see the coin flipping, right? And that's how he makes his thing. And I just, man, I just love Two-Face. So the fact that we're getting this version here, you know, it's, it's again, Ram V doing these big, Big character beats for all of our, my all of my favorite characters, anyways. It's the thing I love that it's been teasing the entire run mm-hmm. is that the idea that even the villains of Gotham are part of it mm-hmm. and they're going to defend it just as much as mm-hmm. Batman is in some ways. Uh, it's it's really a nice idea, uh, and of course he then detonates the bridge so that the bad guys yeah. can't follow our uh, heroes. So yeah, this was all about getting to to Talia on the boat, which we'll get to mm-hmm. in a minute. Um, we go back to the Argums though, and Mummy Argum uh, pulls a bit okay. of a, a big move here because Prince Arzen is—he's not that fussed about losing Batman. He's like, "Look, we've already corrupted the city. In far as like, we've killed the mask, mm-hmm. we don't have to kill the man. Even if he builds himself up and comes back, this city will have changed so much it won't matter." Um, and then she poisons her own son because he's the yep. only one who could have possibly given out any information about what they were doing and she knows it wasn't anyone else because she basically psychically mm-hmm. spies on everyone else except him because she's the only one that she makes an effort to try and mm-hmm. trust so she really cements herself as being the main villain of the of the family here yep. you know by taking out the 
the arguably somewhat sympathetic son. Uh, yep. Yeah, great moody stuff. I think one of the, the things about getting Perkins on art uh, to compliment Alexander is I, I appreciate that they pick someone else with a style that blends with his. Yeah. Uh, where they, you know, they both feel dark and moody. They both fit this vibe that this book's been going for the entire run. Whereas, you know, I think when filling artists are really bad, it's when like, oh, we're doing, you know, all this stuff with Moody in shadows. Oh, we'll get Doc Shaner to do an issue in the middle. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Doc Shaner, yeah. but <laughs> he's, it, not, he's not going to be that, that same style. You know, he's going to... Right, unless there's a story reason that we're going to be doing like a flashback or a yeah, flash yeah. forward that we need something completely different, you know? But but yeah, just the moodiness from Perkins in these pages and the layouts, how she pours the, the wine, right? We had seen in the last backup, you know, that's how she, she got into Gotham, right? It was by poisoning the crew of the ship. Yes. And, and leaving the one guy. So you see her pour the wine, and my instant was like, oh, no. Uh, and then you see her give it to him and just talk about what their plans are. And it's curious, too, is like they said that the, the, the um, that engine, the reality engine is – just one of, uh, she says many, right? A four. She said that. Um, she said there was, I think, five more, and she name drops a couple of other DC comic cities. Yeah. And that once Gotham's been taken, they're going to go and take uh, these other cities as well. So, but it's yeah, Star City and Hub City, all great centers of power, but corrupted from within. Yeah. So you know, there's there's a way that they, you know, you know, Gotham was just the first, right? It was the um, prototype for how they're going to take over. Yeah, I want to compliment a really subtle thing in the art here, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the first two pages of this scene. You know, mm-hmm. it starts off with them in the balcony, and then, you know, she takes them inside for the drink. Is just a simple little thing is the lines separating the panels and the lines mm-hmm. around the panels on those first two pages are all red. And yeah. the only other red is the, is the wine, it's the drink that's right. poisoned. And I think it's just a subtle little coloring choice that tells you that that red that's in the scene is very important. That's the most mm-hmm. important thing in the scene because it matches the, the lines around all the panels. Yep. It's just a really nice little thing. And then the next page, once he starts to actually feel sick from the from yep. the poison, then you start getting like big red behind them and you uh-huh. know lots more sort of like flourishes, it's, I suppose. Yeah, the lines are the show emphasis are more bold, right? But then after he's drinking and he's going down, uh, the white lines in between are back until it focuses on him and then within the scene you get the red back so very very nice stylistic touch there yeah just really nice stuff uh but then yeah we got selena and and talia discussing that batman has to go away (laughs) and selena being like you better bring him back to me like Mm -hmm. you know like do this right uh what's really fun here again and this was something we've had for a couple issues now is just gordon Mm -hmm. working with selena it's just a really interesting dynamic and he knows her by name like it's not like she's a you know, she's got the mask on and she's hiding right? who she is. So it's really fun to see that. But uh, it helps when he's retired from the police, right? You know, he, he doesn't feel like he's got to maintain that professionalism. He's helping his friend Batman. Yeah, well, I was thinking more from her perspective. She, I mean, she, I'm sure she knows from her time with Batman just how important and good mm-hmm. Gordon is and how much of an ally he is that it's yeah. not even a question to, to work with him. Mm-hmm. but uh yeah we get this different narration that comes in towards the end of the issue is it's sort of like building mm-hmm. up and teasing the rest of the story uh is this sort of just there's no box it's just black text with a white yeah. outline um as we see kind of a montage if you will play out 
of Talia's boat leaving with Bruce and we see them fighting off soldiers coming aboard. We see them fighting off a storm. Mm-hmm. And then Talia's taking Batman in a little canoe because that's all that's left as the ship sinks. Yeah. Um, and we that, that's the last we see of them, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. And then we come back to Gotham and it just sort of teases that, no, Gotham is changing. This reality engine is making people forget that Batman exists. They're not even yeah. noticing the signal's not been turned on anymore. And the only things that are kind of keeping the idea of Batman a little bit alive is characters like Gordon or, or Cass who are fighting people in alleyways and protecting mm-hmm. people. Asriel is in his bat suit trying to remind people that Batman exists. He's just lighting people on fire with his lightning <laughs> sword. Like, you know, sometimes he goes, uh, you know, and in the forgotten place in the abandoned metalworks of the empty houses by the water district, old myths and legends still survive. Sometimes a bat, a man is spoken of, and it goes to to Azrael. He's just lighting people on fire, you know, yeah. like the, the crazy guy. But um, was, uh, I, I was wondering who was doing the, like, was this just like a big like the narration because it gets revealed in a couple pages. Yeah, well, just, like, yeah. Before we get to that, I just want to mention mm-hmm. the 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 panel at the bottom of that page, mm-hmm. which is like a homeless mum and son. Yep, and he's asking like, why does he dress as a bat? And she's like, oh, there's a story, but I, I think I've forgotten it. And it's showing yeah. you that even people who know who Batman are are, are, are trying yeah. to, uh, are, are, are starting to really forget it. It's, it's something mm-hmm. that's taking effect. So it's sort of setting this idea that when Batman comes back, he's going to have to make the city remember to fear the Batman. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's an interesting I, idea. I really like that because it, as this narration is going, right, it seems like it's outset from everything. So... Um, because they're looking at it almost at like a, from a third person perspective. Yeah. Right. Because they're talking about Gordon and then Cass and, um, and then Asriel and stuff. So it was just like, okay, well, what big things are at play here? You know, who's, who's setting the stage for Gotham, you know? And at first I thought I was like, well, is this, is this like Alfred? Is Alfred looking on, you know, is this like his spirit wondering what's going to happen to Bruce? Uh, and I, I whiffed big time cause it's not. No, uh, so we find out that it's Dr. Hurt and Flamingo uh, mm-hmm. talking to each other, and basically Dr. Hurt's like, okay, like everything that's happened to Batman, he has to build himself back up. And when he does build himself back up, it's going to be the real, it's going to be Barbatos, the one that I've wanted to be like unleashed mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've had this imagery the whole run of like Bar- Barbatos being a, like a, mm-hmm. a representation of the darker side of Batman inside of himself. So we get this gorgeous splash page going back to Talia uh, on the canoe with Batman lying in this little boat. Uh, but instead of Batman, it's Barbatos lying in the boat. So you get this mm-hmm. red bat demon <laughs> in, the, it's, in the boat. Well, and the way that she's on it, it's very, she looks like a ferryman of the dead, right? It's very mm. of that, you know, she's at the front of the boat. She has the long stick to, to guide it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that is not unintentional. That is, oh, not 100%. And yeah. so... You know, the, the idea that this was the son that Dr. Hurt, who claims to be the father of Batman, right? And, you know, Dr. Hurt's origin is that he was like a psychologist that basically wanted to control Batman, you know? And so he put in these false memories and all this other stuff. And uh, it was this issue that kind of made me realize that Ram V is, this is almost an homage to Morrison's run on Batman, you know, with the stylistics, with the, the breaking down of Batman, the place that Bruce is at at the beginning where He's having panic attacks, right? He's he's not feeling like himself. Um, 
And and it's all to not all to get to this point, but it's basically this has been Ram V's breakdown of Batman to build him back up and almost put him in a better place. Uh, so I'm curious to see where this goes. Like, does Barbados take over? Is Bruce going to win out? You know, like, are they going to be able to finally pull the asthma out of him? Uh, and he's going to be able to retrain because I'm assuming they're going to, to Talia's dad, right? Because Roz is, is Roz back or is Roz still dead? I can't remember. Well, he was in the Robin book, right? That was after all the... But but then, remember with Deathstroke, they killed him. And that was the... the that part, the, the Deathstroke-Batman crossover. But I can't remember if they brought him back yet or not. So, but I'm wondering if, if she's heading for, like, Lazarus Pity type stuff. You know, because Bruce isn't actually dead, though, so... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like that feels like the obvious thing to think, but mm-hmm. I feel like it could be something more specific because he's not dead. It's not mm-hmm. like you could see it as spiritually as him coming back to life, right. but he's not actually physically dead. Right. So, so wh- wherever she's taking him, though, he's probably going to yeah, yeah be reborn at least mm-hmm. spiritually, if not yeah. physically. What she's gonna do is take him to a cave where there's a prison, and it's gonna hang him on a rope, and it's gonna heal his back. Mm. And he's uh, gonna come back. The final scene of the book, though, sets up a, a an offshoot to which was a very g- cool plot mm-hmm. actually. That right before yeah. Batman get taken over by the Asmer, um, we had that detective chasing him through the streets and mm-hmm. kind of putting two and two together and figuring out who he was, and then he got shot in the back by his partner. Well, Montoya is following up on this and is wondering mm-hmm. why this good detective was killed and why he was killed at the gravesite of Alfred Pennyworth. And we see her suiting up mm-hmm. um, as the question at the end here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very cool. Hey, um, maybe it's a Ram V question book. I would love that. It, if we could do the um, the Denny O'Neill type of like Zen. I mean, I, I'm not again. I, I think you're jumping the gun. Yeah. I think this is just a plot for detective. But no, but what I'm saying is. After seeing how he handles this right here, these last two pages, um, the idea of him doing a question book with Renee, doing kind of that Zen kind of stuff, and you can get the vigil popping up through there. Um, that that's something I didn't think about so just right now. I think that'd be super cool. But I mean, yeah, obviously uh, I'm down for a round V question mm-hmm. book. I I just yeah. don't think this means that yet. This is I think this is just Oh yeah, no. This is, this is a plot that's going to be followed up in this book, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. is cool. Um, in fact, it means it's something that we may be able to do whilst Batman's, you know, building mm-hmm. himself back up elsewhere. Maybe the plot yeah. we get in Gotham, uh, aside from, obviously, right. Mummy Orgum, is, uh, yeah. is Rene doing this investigation, which may actually end up tying back in because, obviously, Ten. he's... Working. You know, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, no, very good. This run's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this arc of stealing Batman's body uh, to save him from the mm-hmm. hanging, I think it's been a really great read. I think the double shipping for it did probably help the pacing. I think it was a really good contained mm-hmm. story that was playing out. Like I almost feel like each issue was only taking place over a few minutes. So, mm-hmm. But its nature, I think, worked for, for the quicker schedule. Whether or not they decided to do it quickly because of that, or he wrote it that way because he knew he was yeah. double shipping, I don't know. But either way, it was a perfect match. The so. way that it was able to shift gears and be not completely different from what was before it, but like you said, it changed the like the pace and the tone. 
you know, I went from kind of this gothic horror to to a heist, and now it's kind of back on that gothic horror vibe. So, you know, kudos to the creative teams here. Yeah. No, fantastic. I, I love the build-up. It feels like a big deal that Batman has to build himself up, which I suspect will be an arc before we get the final arc. Yeah. Uh, and because we know we're getting an annual and a special as part of the run, it means that, you know, this next arc could be six issues, and then the... Or, or alternatively, it could be five issues and an mm-hmm. annual, and then the final arc will be five yeah. issues and a special, or four yeah. issues and both the special and the annual. I don't know how it's going to break down, mm-hmm. but either way, there, there's room for two arcs uh, yeah. left in the run, and I'm curious to see uh, how that happens. So, Yeah. Yeah, uh, really good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. All right, what are you giving Detective? Uh, oh, you don't want to talk about the backup? Oh, I never read it. You can talk about it. Oh, yeah. So, so the backup real quick is just, it goes to Damien and about the story that it was very early on uh, in the run where Talia had told him the story of uh, the Grim Soldier, uh, Farhad, and how he, you know, he went across the desert for his love. And by the time he got back, his love had died. And that was something that had always stuck with Damien. And so he starts having nightmares about... um, about the beloved that had died. And so he's seen her as this walking skeleton covered in like her garb. And um, it, it basically goes to the Damien is going to have to choose one day if he's a, you know, a bat or an all ghoul. And so he starts having these nightmares. Um, he's in the bat cave and it's like melting, which looks really cool. Um, but his mom brought in like all the best people to, you know, to teach him how to control his dreams and so he learns how to essentially lucid dream and he faces her down and he picks it. He, you know, he's going to choose to be Robin. Um, and uh, at the at the end, she goes, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, monsters are real. The Grim Soldier's not. Um, and she in the dream picks him up and like puts her in his eye. And Damien's like, it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to prove everybody wrong, you know, because. And it goes, and he ends up becoming Batman. Like, from, you know, the Batman in the trench coat, from Batman 666. And he says, you know, and I'm better than you. And then he wakes up from the dream, and the the beloved, the skeleton lady, is is staring at him from the hallway. And he looks at it, he goes, oh, no, that's just, you know, it's coming back to me. That's just a shadow. I'm not afraid of shadows. You know, um, I'm still Damian Wayne. Um, but at the end of the day, he goes, uh, tonight he's still, but 10 years old and he's still afraid. And so it was a very nice little tone, kind of like this exercise in tone for where Damien's at in all of this, right? It's like his internal struggle and, uh, you know, ultimately his motivation to, to be better than Batman, um, and bigger than all of this. So, uh, Dan Waters again doing, uh, Fantastic work with uh, Christopher Mitten uh, as the artist. So, but a really, a really nice uh, backup. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, rating the, the whole well, thing. Just on the backup to, to yep. confess why I didn't read it is that I didn't like mm-hmm. the look of the art, so I just gotcha. I just noped out of it. Oh, gotcha. Oh, I thought the art was fine. It's it's a little. There's a bit of a sketchiness to it. Like there's not like clean lines, and but I feel like it it adds to that whole dreamlike scenario of it. Um, but yeah, so as a whole, uh, the book's at 8.5. Yeah, uh, obviously I'm just rating the main story. Mm-hmm. It's, 
Yeah, I think eight point. It's it's almost at that nine. I think, but I think I'm going to give the eight point five as well. Um, but loving the run though. I, lo- I love what it sets up, and I think the fun of the, the the them getting away in the van at the start and like just narrowly getting away because Two Face intervenes. Like that that stuff was really fun. Mm-hmm. But then it did all this stuff in the back half to set up all of this going forward, like the main villain where Batman's going to recuperate some other possible threats. So big thematic things, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Action Comics 1060, Philip Kennedy Johnson with Max Rayner on the R. So mm-hmm. this is the final issue of Johnson's run on Action Comics. Um, whether or not he ends up doing something super related elsewhere down the line remains to be seen, but this is wrapping up his current story and indeed uh, his tenure on action, which has been on for a while. You know, this has been a two-year yeah. two year run, more or less. I mean, started with uh, right before Future State, right? Was he had the Superman issues with with John and Clark? Yeah, and that was January and February 2022, mm-hmm. so. Yeah? So, yeah, so, two years. Mm-hmm. So, exactly two years, actually. So, yeah, yeah uh, we ended the last time, obviously, with... Uh, with uh, Superman and co going off to Earth Al Ghul because that's where Otho was. Uh, Otho trying to be manipulated by mm-hmm. Sister Shadow to try and become an Al Ghul. Uh, and to be honest, by the end of the issue, it kind of sounds like she wants to take her body for herself. Yeah. That was the vibe I was getting. But mm-hmm. yeah, so the issue goes in quite quick despite the fact that it's got the bigger page count being an annual. Uh, mm-hmm. We get some fighting here. We get... Superman, Etrigan, and uh, Bloodwind. Bloodwind, yep. That's the one. Uh, they help some people who are being you know, targeted by bad guys on this earth and ask where to find the big the big dogs, as it were, uh, and they go off and search for Otho, who's training with her sword and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this is... Like we see them have their full big army. They've got blimps. They've got bat monsters and and all sorts of mm-hmm. troops under their order. And we get some action with that. Uh, but ultimately, like the the the, the 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 finale of this has to take place back on our Earth, right? It has to mm-hmm. be back on. Uh, you know, Otho doesn't betray Superman the way that Sister Shadow thinks she's going to. Mm-hmm. Of course, she doesn't. Uh, and it's a very sweet moment when Clark kind of, you know, one refers to himself as her father because yep. we're at that point now. Uh, but he calls calls her his fearless little star child. So mm-hmm. uh, all very sweet. Um, but she effectively, Sister Shadow, that is, wants to come back and take Earth Zero. So all of her ships, all of her forces are going towards Earth Zero, which as we see when we cut back to there, uh, the rest of the super family are dealing with all the blue earthers causing chaos mm-hmm. and chasing after alien immigrants in metropolis mm-hmm. and they're having to try and fight them down um and then we get the uh, i'm getting flashbacks to the start of rebel moon here sadly <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a, a portal opens in the sky and the big ship from uh earth al gil comes through it uh but yeah so this is where the interesting narrative thing takes place which is this is where all the Blue Earthers who have been recruited to be part of Sister Shadow's army realize that she herself is bringing an army of aliens to take over this mm-hmm. Earth. And the Super Family are like, 
look, if you really want to protect Earth, then how about you, you know, fight with us to stop this invading force? Because they're actually the enemy. You know, Supergirl gives them this little speech. And sure enough, we, we get them all helping the Super family to fight off this army of uh, bat monsters. I, I don't even know why they have bat monsters. That's actually kind of out of nowhere. I, I guess because... It's Bruce and uh, Talia's daughter. I, yeah, that's, I, I, I that's guess. That's what I'm going <laughs> yeah. down. And she does magic, so so why not? You know, using the thing. I just, as much as I love Philip Kennedy Johnson, and, and I know this is probably between a rock and a hard place, right? I just, the, the his run to go out on a multiversal invasion, kind of not what I wanted. I really liked the, the whole idea of Blue Earth and what it stood for. And her just to be revealed to be a you know an alternate version of you know of Damien, right? Mm. Kind of a letdown. Uh, and I, I like a lot of the stuff that happened in here. It's a very good read. It's just kind of disappointing. This is how it ends. It's a lot more you comic know? booky than the rest of his runs been. Yeah, and and I like again. I like a lot of stuff here, like with uh, Connor talking to one of the Blue Earthers, where you know he's like, you know, you, if you're gonna help us, you gotta help us. You can't just you know you gotta. You gotta watch for bystanders. You can't just go and do what you yeah, want. Yeah, because he, he, yeah, he punches something, debris mm-hmm. almost hits like a civilian or yeah. something, and he's like, "Hey, you got to watch for everyone else." And and that's where the, the the Johnson stuff starts to come through with with the whole idea of Superman standing for something. It's not just you know, you know, he's not just the defender of Metropolis. He's the defender of people, you know. And so, yeah, and I got feels as well when uh, Otho mm-hmm. and Ozil are reunited. Yep. I feel like because they were actually separated for a bit here, yep. I actually finally learned which one was which. Yeah, <laughs> and and so I, I do like that Ozil comes and he's looking for his sister, you know, and he's remembering the the story that Kara had told him about Star Child and Red Sun, um, and and that story plays out right. We're getting flashes of it as he's you know going and looking for her uh, to the point where he, you know, faces down uh, Sister Shadow in her big demon form, you know, um, to, to lead to Clark and Otho to come back. I like that whole entire sequence. Like, that's also very, very Philip Kennedy Johnson um, with how it's uh, in, in what, what am I looking for? It's weaving in that mythology that's with these characters into what's going on in the story. Um, and yeah, it makes for a good action sequence. The poor Daily Planet globe, though, always takes a hit. I don't think there's an attack on Metropolis where you know, yeah, unless unless it does take a hit. But yeah, when Clark shows up and is like, "Get your hands off of my family," that's another great moment. So, yeah, uh, um, obviously Etrigan like, at the end of all this banishes mm-hmm. uh, Sister Shadow away, mm-hmm. and she's sort of yelling, "I'm not done. I'm still coming for you." Which mm-hmm. does make me think maybe there'll be a follow up somewhere yeah. to this by Johnson. Maybe he's setting mm-hmm. the seeds for something else down the line. But yeah. uh, the final scene, actually, which is after the fight, uh, mm-hmm. you know, arguably is one of the the best parts of the whole book. Which is yep. uh, this ex con is working at a construction site. And his son comes over uh, for lunch, and they, they have mm-hmm. lunch together. And he's asking his dad if, uh, you know, do, do you miss your previous life uh, doing bad stuff? And he's like, no, because now I'm building the city uh, rather mm-hmm. than, you know, taking it apart. Now I'm helping make it a home and gives a little speech about, about Superman um, and how yeah. Superman was trying to save him as much as he was trying to save the people he was hurting. Yeah. Uh, and it all builds up to this big splash page at the end. 
um, and says that Superman remains as the the world's better with us in it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not just about the world being better because Superman's there. It's about right. Superman making us all better for ourselves. So yeah, Superman leads by example, and he he knows. You know, we've got a lot of this in Philip Kennedy Johnson's run that. You know, he does things to help people, not just to be a hero, right? Like, you know, uh, the Metallo stuff, right? It's his compassion to Metallo that eventually leads to them winning that big fight, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And stuff. And so, and this character, I, I kind of forgotten about him, but this is the the guy that checks in with Superman, you know? Super, or Superman goes and checks in with him to see how he's doing, Yeah. you know, on the construction site. That was like it during the Action Comics run, once he gets back from War World. Yeah, um, no, I mean, I remembered that. I just couldn't. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever I don't knew know his, his name. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you ever knew his name, but no. like, um, you know? th- this this was one of those these moments where I was like, this is a really good few pages, but it does yeah. kind of feel like going to this right after the fight was done felt a little mm-hmm. rushed, and it makes me wonder yep. if Johnson did find out kind of last minute that his yeah. run would be ending in you know three or four issues, and he would be like, oh mm-hmm. shit, I have to, you know, quickly pull this together and and wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, like I say, I mean, I do hope there's maybe some follow-up down the line uh, in the form mm-hmm. of a mini or something, whatever he may end up on. Yeah. But if not, then I just hope Johnson does end up with another book at DC. Obviously, he's doing Green Lantern War Journal, yep. and that's been very good so far, but I yep. absolutely hope he gets another book uh, in the near future, Which this has been great stuff. Yeah, so that reminds me, when we were talking about Green Lantern or War Journal the other week, and we, we had the Durlin guy... Um, I, I found out via Twitter as I was scrolling through. Hmm. That's the same guy that he, um, that uh, Johnson used in the War World arc that represents the United Planets. So he's he's running things too. So I feel like Johnson's built him up as this overall big bad across his runs, you know, and how he has his hands in different things. But he was the guy that was responsible for the United Planets taking over the Green Lantern Corps. Interesting. Um, uh, so, you know, there's some well, space in between those that I had forgot, but you know, luckily some some comic book person on Twitter pointed that out. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it makes very, a lot of sense. At the very least, then he's got some running through lines through all mm-hmm. of these different books, which some writers do when they're doing yeah. different books at the same company. Mm-hmm. Uh, pie in the sky could be that maybe whatever summer event we're getting next year, maybe Johnson's the one doing it, and like all yeah. this is building up to something big like that. But mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily thinking that's the case. Like that feels like it's a little bit of a reach. But yeah, uh, we we you know we could see where where some of this stuff goes. I ju- I just hope Johnson stays in the DC uh, camp. The, the fact that he's still got a book going right now obviously is a good sign. Yeah. But uh, and that just started recently as well. But I hope yes. uh, we get a bit more. I think this action comics run has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like maybe ended on the. Not weak, but on the weaker end of its own scale, because Warworld... Like, like a downbeat, right? Yeah, because Warworld yeah. was so fantastic, and all, all the stuff early on was so next level, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the arc Metallo, and I've enjoyed kind of the build to some of this Blue Arthur stuff, but I would just say that this final, you know, four issues or so in this, this annual have just mm-hmm. felt a little bit like we're rushing to a finish, and I don't yep. necessarily think that's on him per se. That could just be a case of he thought he had, you know... More, yeah, more maybe issues had, to go. He thought maybe he had another six issues after that mm-hmm. to, to finish his story, and then he was like, no, you don't. You, This is all you've got. Uh, that's what it feels like. Maybe that's not the case at all. Maybe this is just the way it is, and you know, we're making an excuse, but it certainly does feel a little bit rushed at the end yeah. here, but 
there's a lot of good stuff in here though. I loved how they handled the stuff with the kids. Um, I I kind of agree that the whole you know other dimension uh, with an army coming through a portal does feel like mm. it doesn't doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Um, but hey, you know, it, like yeah. like you say, it's a pretty solid read. It went in very quickly despite the mm-hmm. fact that it's a forty-page book, and it did give us yeah, some nice that... send-off moments. And that, that final yeah. scene with the mm-hmm. the dad and the son is very good. I was gonna say that little epilogue that it has really pulls it back together. Where it pulled it from me going like, okay, that was fine, but it was kind of unceremoniously just ending. And then when we get to him again, I was like, oh, okay, this is what he's doing. He's you know reminding us of of how the average person sees Superman, which is how he started, right? Uh, with with the future state stuff, where that girl was going to the the Superman museum in Smallville, you know, and it was how the average person would look at it. So I, I do like that he was able to, you know, bring it back around that way. And let's say this is the only work he gets to do on Superman. I feel like it's still a pretty, a pretty good word to, to go out on in perspective. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, again, a bit disappointing, but still, still a good read. Like, you know, just wish, wish there were things that happened differently. That's all. Yeah. Uh, all right, what are you giving Action Comics Annual? I'm, I'm going to give this, uh, after all that, I'm still going to give this an 8. Yeah, I was thinking 8. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the peak of the run by any means, but it's still a really solid put-together mm-hmm. issue with a lot of nice moments uh, for, for the characters. Um, I, I do like them convincing the Blue Earthers to work with them. I think that's mm-hmm. an interesting place to take it. Uh, and the epilogue's very good. Uh, so, yeah, 8 out of 10 for me as well. So that is the Action Comics Annual. Next up, we have The Flash, issue 4, Legacy 804, Cy Spurrier writing with Mike Diodoto Jr. on the R. So this issue is an interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we continue this this idea that Wally found this this place that was very vague as to what it actually was, but it's like this thing that exists outside of time. Although this issue makes it feel more like it's in his own head, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 it's a really ethereal idea. It, uh, it's his happy place almost, or his, his Zen place where it's yeah. a place in between thoughts. And I'm like, all right, this is getting a little bit too heady for me. It's a it's, it's an interesting concept. Irie kind of can tell that something's not quite right, and then when she goes to try and talk to her dad late at night, he kind of fades away as if he was never really there, almost like he mm-hmm. was projecting himself, uh, and mm-hmm. in, into the into the room. Um, so this this book splits into two things. You've got Wally in his like speedster garden that's in his head or somewhere else, and seemingly mm-hmm. as we read through that, it's like he forgets a lot of the details of who he is and what his family is when he's here. It's like it mm-hmm. all fades away. Um, and it gets kind of meh at one point where he's grabbing his own speech or his own uh, thought bubbles and trying yeah. to sort of like hold them to remember who he is. But then this mysterious presence made up of lines shows up and starts talking to him and discussing what this place is and how he's leaving things behind. So that's the one side of the book. The other side of the book is that Iray goes investigating based on all the stuff that was in the house about these mm-hmm. uh, speedster things going on um, yeah. and ends up investigating and she runs in to Liberty Bell, uh, which is... Uh, so, as yes. a fan of Jesse Quick, 
That that's Jesse Quick. Liberty Bell's when she wears the blue and, no, and I know, I know. channels her mom's powers. So you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they point it out that it's Jesse, and Ivory yeah. even points out that her hair's been cut because she's got this mm-hmm. short blonde hair now. You sound right, up, but... you sound upset by this, Matt. Yeah, because no, so the fact that she's Jesse Quick and Liberty Bell's daughter, right? That's her thing. But her name is also Jesse Quick. Like that's she takes her dad's name. Um, so th- this costume, though, you know, when when she's Liberty Bell, her power set's completely different. Right. She gets her mom's super strength and that type of stuff. And it's a different, it's not a different identity, but a whole different vibe, you know, to, to compare it to wrestling. Right. It's, it's dude love versus mankind. Same guy, different vibe, you know? Um, and so when, when Irie calls her Liberty Bell, I was like, okay, I get it. Technically she's not wrong, but this is Jesse quick, you know? So, which is, you know, as Jesse Chambers. I feel so, like you're 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 nitpicking here a little bit because mm-hmm. I, I feel like Irie only says Liberty Bell because Jesse says Thunderheart like it's really, it's boldy but that's it's boldy but, that's, but what but that's her that's her superhero name that's it, when when she has the speed powers that's not Liberty Bell that's my point. So when she's the speedster that Jesse yeah, but that, that doesn't matter to Irie though Irie is just hitting her back with heart like other name or alternate name. That, that, that's all that's happening here. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I I feel like you're just being I, you're just being narrative no, here. No, because Matt. I love the follow up <laughs> moment where you know because I feel like we've gotten the whole point that you know that that Jesse is is Iris. You know, that's not her idol, but that's who she looks up to in the family. You know how Wally looked up to to Barry. You get the same vibe of Irie to Jesse and. Just so when she goes like, oh, my God, I love the jacket, uh, you know, so I it, it pays off for that moment. But just the 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 Jesse Chambers fan of me is, you know, that was a slight nitpick. I never even thought about this. Like, I, mm-hmm. I did not think we'd be spending two minutes of the review yep. talking about this panel. Well, and, and here's that, because I, I <laughs> like all of this stuff a lot more than the stuff that we got going on with Wally. Um, no, no, I, 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 I agree with design, that. You know, but um, these two bouncing off of each other and investigating something that's going on in Central, uh, a lot more worth the read than the, than the really weird stuff. Well, no, but I, I, I think that is by design, but I think mm-hmm. it's also reassuring that he's handling these other characters mm-hmm. so well, and it is really yeah. fun to see Irie and Liberty Bell, or sorry, Jesse Quick, uh, mm-hmm. bouncing off of each other, solving crimes. Uh, they investigate basically a speed junkie someone takes a shot of something and they've got speed powers so they chase after her and as they investigate you know throughout the rest of the issue uh, they're chasing this woman who's not really used to handling the powers obviously so she's running through cars Mm -hmm. and causing chaos and the girls are chasing after her uh irie have actually like the woman tries to stab them and irie phases Mm -hmm. so that the woman just goes through her but also Mm -hmm. picks pockets her like injector thing as yep. she does so, and Jesse's very impressed by this, and uh-huh. they go speeding off to try and solve the crime and figure out, see what's going on, and mm-hmm. it turns out that Mirror Master's behind it, and he's also been souped up. He's the second rogue I yep. think we've seen now who's got like a beefier costume mm-hmm. and seems like he's got some upgrades from somewhere. Um, so that's you know where that comes to a head, and 
the way this ties into the Wally story is that Wally is forgetting his own family as he's talking to this mysterious mm-hmm. voice. But then as he's looking around at these statues of all the speedsters, he's noticing that every time he looks away and looks back, they've changed. It's like they've moved into a different mm-hmm. position. And we see one of Irie, and it's kind of like he's starting to get a sense that there's something not right, like something's, mm-hmm. you know, she's in trouble and he has to go and help and he should yes. be there to help. So this main place is kind of becoming this thing where it's becoming this crutch that he's, he's going to and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it does almost feel like a metaphor for someone who is addicted to drugs or is mm-hmm. uh, not paying attention to the life around them and the people around them. But he snaps out of it just in time to go and help her. And, you know, he mm-hmm. darts her out of the building as it explodes. Um, and Jesse feels quite bad about this because she's like repeatedly been like, oh, I probably shouldn't take you to this. I should take you yeah. home and go and investigate this myself. And she almost gets blown up for her for her troubles. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I think I like this issue quite a bit. The Wally stuff definitely is a bit weird, and yeah. what he's doing with this main place is definitely odd. But I think the other side of the plot was very enjoyable. I loved Irie and Jesse getting so much time, and them being more prominent supporting characters in the book is something I quite like. Um, and it grounded the issue as a whole. I think if you're going to do something as weird as what you did with Wally in this issue, where he's in this weird main place, mm-hmm. I think you ground it by having just a good story, for, you know, in the, in the B plot. Uh, and arguably, it's not even the B plot. You could argue that their story is the A plot because it probably gets yeah. more more page time than the Wally stuff does. Um, but seeing how it interacts and it's kind of teaching us some of the rules of this place and how the echoes of it are sort of manifesting in the statues and his main place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's setting up some interesting it's, stuff. Yeah, it's almost like he is a, a... While he's there, he's completely tapped into the Speed Force because he's seeing people that are touched by the Speed Force, right? It's yeah. Jesse, it's Irie, Linda's there with the with the new baby, who I'm forgetting the name of. Um, and so, yeah, it's just very, you know... Because there's this other page where he's looking around and the... The, the lion person um, is talking to him and and Wally is like, well, what lies deeper than time or space? And the lion person really starts to come together and it says concept, of course. Right. So it's almost like, again, this metaphysical place between places that seemingly only Wally can access. And, the, you know, so who knows what this means going forward? Because we still have that whole, the whole idea that the speed force, like there's a, um, I give and a take with the Speed Force, right? That they weren't aware of before this, right? That every time they use it, it's tapping into something somewhere else. And because when uh, in one of the last two issues, when uh, uh, him and Max were in this spot, Bart was running around and it looked like it was causing like straight chaos, right? Yeah. Like a tornado. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't know what to make of this Zen Garden. It's, it's a very, I can't wrap my head around it. So, I mean, kudos, kudos on Cy Spurrier for doing that because I don't think we're supposed to yet. I mean, I, I think the the more the issue went on, the more, at least it, it felt like it was establishing its rules to some extent mm-hmm. and how it connects to the real world. And it definitely felt like a place where Wally could get lost in here forever if he mm-hmm. loses all connection to the real world, um, which is why I kind of linked it to the idea of like someone like, Mm-hmm. skirting the responsibilities and being addicted to something and yeah. staying away from the responsibilities. Um, also, Mirror Master 
tries to kill Ivory with a grenade, which I thought was quite dark in a fun way. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, I'm just going to try and kill the Flash's kid with this grenade, uh, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, Wally shows up and helps her. And I feel like she'd have probably gotten out of there on her own if if not. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's just a, a fun dark moment. Um, it's it's an interesting arc that Spurrier's doing here because I, I do feel like some of the elements are very obtuse. But I, do, I think this issue, it got the balance right between the weird and the the other characters grounding everything else that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm still in, and I still really like the art. I think the adult Junior's art's very it's nice here. That line person peeking out the first when you see him start to materialize, and it looks like they're peeking through blinds, it's very creepy right? and very unsettling. But the more time Wally spends there... And the more time it starts to take on more human attributes, it stops being creepy and just starts being more interesting. So yeah, Diodato's yeah. art really really runs that gamut of foreboding to not foreboding. And then just all the, the he draws the speed force, like not speed force, but like the the act of them running. So when they're chasing the the girl that doesn't, you know, is not as familiar with the, the speed force drug. The speed junkie. Yeah, the speed junkie. When you know, when they do that. Uh, Diodato's art looks fantastic. Like Irie and Jesse chasing them down. Uh, all that whole action sequence looks awesome. Yeah, no, I really like all that stuff. And it's still got that overall layout design where it's like the panels, uh, you know, mm-hmm. are bleeding into the into the border, you know, with its design. Uh, okay. It really gives it this sense of... And it kind of, I suppose, fits into this idea of the space between spaces as the, some of the panels go into the space where there's not meant to be you know panels mm-hmm. uh but they're they're kind of separate because they're they're still got borders it's, it's it's an interesting overall look and it's been consistently there since the start of the run uh i suppose we, we can rule out the possibility as well that this isn't just something that's happening to wally naturally or because of the speed mm-hmm. force or because of himself like this this person made up of lines where it, that forms a human mm-hmm. looking face this, I mean, this could be a, a, a menace. This could be a villain yeah. of some sort, either a new villain or maybe mm-hmm. an old villain who's figured out a way to do this and is right. is doing this to Wally. That's entirely possible. Uh, well, because remember, he had those in the interaction. He first got here, he had the interaction with those alien beings, right? Um, when when they were doing dealing with the with the gorillas in Grodd, I forget what they were called, but. Um, it happened after that, so maybe this is something of their doing. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I I feel like like I'm I'm getting more footing as I read more of the mm-hmm. the arc. But you know, it's a dangerous game to play though, is to to write a write a comic where I feel like we have to get to that point where it's it's, it's intentionally kind of making us feel like we don't have a good solid understanding of what the hell's happening. Uh, but yeah, I feel like we're we're getting there, and if it can kind of stick the landing, I think it'll it'll all be worth it. But it's mm-hmm. just a question of like, is this all going to feel like it clicks together when we get to the end of of this first arc? Assuming that's when it has to click together. Maybe maybe yeah. it's not meant to click together till the end of the second arc, for all we know. But uh, definitely, I'm definitely fascinated by what it's doing. I actually left this issue to last. Yeah, this was yeah, was this was last, and I, I think I left it to last because I like the previous issues of this run have been 
kind of they've all been interesting, but you know, one or two of them have been a little bit of a tougher read. I think this one read fairly well, regardless mm-hmm. of the weird stuff in the main palace place. But I don't know. I I, I find myself oddly drawn to this. Like, there's something interesting going on here, and I'm enjoying a lot of how the book's constructed. Uh, but I also yeah. can't deny that there's definitely like uh, there's a little bit of a, a hope that this is all going to feel better as it goes and i think it kind of is so far but definitely curious definitely i'm definitely definitely interested yeah i mean there's so much like not so much going on but so much that i feel like what they say in jazz music right it's not the notes you play it's the notes you don't play i feel like it's not what's on the page it's what or yeah what it's not what's on the page it's what's not on the page yeah here that that is drawing me in it's like what is this? What's what Sice Warrior saying about the you know the Flash and the family and all of this other stuff? Because he's really nailing the the family aspect of it. I feel. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, here we go. And here I'm looking through um, other like the the future issues to try to get a beat on stuff. And there's just you know it's seeming like this this person of made of lions is called the Resident. Um, so you know. Maybe we'll see. That's in the next issue. They name drop that. So okay. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I, I do like the mysteries afoot. I feel like yeah. elongated man right now. I'm still in. You know? Like I'm still like mm-hmm. super fascinated by what's going on. Um, yeah. Even if it's not as easy a book to just jump in and love like other books are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what were you writing the Flash issue for, Matt? I'm gonna get to seven point five. Yeah, I think I think I'm tempted to just go with eight on this. Actually, yeah. I, I, I've probably liked this issue the most. I think because there was a lot, lot less. Uh, let's try and talk about the the science of the portals and why things mm-hmm. are coming here. You know, there's a lot less talking with uh, Mister Terrific yeah. about stuff like that. I think that benefited this issue. Um, and Irie and uh, Jesse getting a bit more of a spotlight was a nice pairing to have. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, at one point, Irie shouts out uh, "Femme Flash Force" or something like that, yeah. which I thought was funny. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. All right, eight out of ten for me, seven point five from you. Cool. Mm-hmm. Green Arrow issue seven, Legacy three forty. Joshua Williamson writing with Carmine DJ Domenico and Trevor Hairsign on the art. This was you, Matt. Mm-hmm. So you take it away. Yeah. So you know, this was supposed to be a mini series, um, and famously wasn't digging the whole. Ollie fighting his way back through time and whatever to find his family. And uh, it ended all up being Merlin and his machinations to, to keep him away from his family. Uh, but this issue is Ollie coming back and finding out, you know, everything that he's missed since and how all these other heroes are, uh, are, are doing different things. And so uh, the Diogen, uh, I always mess this up. Gio Domenico, the art is fantastic. Like, big fan of his on, on Flash and other spots that we've seen. Him drawing uh, Green Arrow, is, it's it's a good look, I will say. But it, it starts with this really cool layout of, of Ollie through different times and how he's always been on the Justice League, right? And he was there from the beginning. And that's where he met Canary. It's where he's made friends. Um and he says, I even used to bankroll it at one time. Um, and he pulls up in his new car 
that, that he's got since he's been back to the hollow justice and it's empty. Right. Um, and he's trying to figure out what's going on with the justice league. So he goes and talks to Bruce and, you know, Bruce is like, yeah, no, we, we have a lot of stuff going on. We have to disband it. Um, and everything, uh, him and of course, Bruce have words cause they don't ever get along. Uh, he goes over to check with, with, uh, Clark and, um, Clark's telling him about Luther and how Luther's in jail and has left the company to him and not super core. Um, which always like, well, that's weird, but all right, whatever. Well, tell me about Waller. Right. So, uh, dad sends him to talk to Diana and she's on the run from ax people. So she's in her, um, invisible jet. Ollie's in one of his, you know, aero jets and they're talking over the comms about, you know, uh, what's going on with her. And don't forget that Waller has Roy, right? That's where issue six ended. Um, so he's also trying to figure out where Roy is. Um, and Ollie goes to check with all these other members of the justice league. He goes to black Adam who doesn't remember him, which is quite funny. Um, and you know, Arthur has his daughter in, um, uh, he goes to talk to Barry cause him and Barry are friendly and he's like, Oh, I'm taking a break right now. Um, and everyone's kind of being dismissive until he goes and talks to Al. And so, um, this is where, cause it's Trevor hair sign also on art. So, so the hair sign art takes over uh, and it stops looking as good as the Gio Domenico, but they're overlooking these planes landing and, um, you know, uh, Hal's talking about how everything's complicated right now. And this is when I realized that this issue is just basically Williamson giving a rundown of all the stuff that's been going on in the DC universe, uh, which, which seems like a chore to read, but the way that he has Ollie reacting to everything kind of makes it worth it. Um, and Hal even points out to Ollie, he's like, you're doing all this for your family, but out of everybody, you're the one that was kind of like the freewheeling bachelor you know, I never took you as a family man. You know, back in the day, you always teased me and Carol of having a kid flying around. And they were talking about these different, you know, you know, the different lanterns. Like, if they had a kid, what would they call them? And then Ollie brings up Teen Lantern. And Hal just kind of off the cuff. And it also shows that how, you know, like, I forgot Teen Lantern was a character. Right? Uh, and Hal's just like, yeah, she was more Simon and John sidekick. Um so it's kind of, you know, super dismissive, but, uh, they get a call that, um, uh, let's see who's, who's going on the, uh, there's some rogue cuns, uh, that are, that are coming into the airspace. So they go, they get the green lantern and green arrow back together. Um, uh, which leads to in a really nice page, uh, of them, you know, all bathed in green light. Um, and then Ollie goes back to his little hideout. Uh, there's a red sky, which is very curious because, you know, red skies seem to be the, the sign of a crisis. Um, but uh, he's talking to Connor Hawk uh, about everything that's been going on. And it's still not sitting right with with him that he can't track down Waller. Like for someone that's always got her hands and everything, the fact that she made a deal with Merlin and she's in hiding where she's so far under the radar, it's not sitting well with him. And he feels that she has something to do with Roy. Cause he goes, if we find Roy, we'll find Waller. And, 
over over his hideout that he's at, there's this, you know, like a skylight. And you can see this figure that looks like they're wearing a cape. So you're like, oh, is this Batman? Is this, you know, any any number? Is this Vertigo? Any number of, of Green Arrow guys? And it's not. And you just, it, it goes into a full page. And it's onomatopoeia and just saying crash. Uh, and, and that's where the issue ends. But, yeah, it's kind of, it, it's one of those issues. It's just, you know, what's going on in the DC universe right now. But it's also Ollie talking with all of the the justice league and getting a beat on everything which is kind of nice from where we were there's no time jumping you know i I prefer green arrow when it's a lot more grounded and and this was it um despite just being kind of a a whip around the dcu issue and not so much not a lot of character interactions or not interactions not a lot of character plots or or anything um but seeing onomatopoeia show up at the end is pretty exciting I mean, that is a villain that is pretty unique, and we only really see with Green Arrow. Like, I think, think it's a, is it a Kevin Smith creation? Because I, I think I remember him showing up in one of the Kevin Smith Batman books. But since then, I haven't seen it on a Monopia. So, um, but yeah, uh, art art is really good when she had Domenico. It's fine when it's hair sign. Like, again, that, that Green Lantern, Green Arrow, them going off to deal with the rogue uh, aliens. Uh, it looks pretty nice, but still, hair sign's a taste thing for me. Uh, but the geodomenical art really is a highlight of this one. Um, so I'll, I'll give this a 7 out of 10. All right, cool. So you liked it more than... Yeah, it's it's better than the what we've read. I will up up to that okay. point where we me. It's better than the first six issues, I feel, just because of what they're what it's doing. And I don't know how much longer it can keep going unless, you know... We get an Ollie versus Waller, you know, showdown soon. It just kind of feels like it's waiting, right? Like waiting through the waters of the DC universe. So, but yeah. Okay. Uh, the Penguin issue five, Tom King rating with Raphael De La Torre on the R. Mm-hmm. So, Penguin's been recruiting people for his, uh, you know, takeover of Gotham, and mm-hmm. this seems to be the final issue of that happening. This is. Because the issue ends with him saying, we're ready for Gotham, but is Gotham ready for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seems like we're at that point now. But yeah, we have one final recruitment issue, and it very much focuses on this character, Black Spider. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book, we don't even see Penguin until the very final page. We hear his voice, uh, you know, quote-unquote. From, from a first person, which I did like too. It's yeah. like when, they're talking to, when he's talking to, to the person across the table... You know, we get his speech bubbles, but there, there's no arrows to him, which I think is a nice touch, too. Yeah. You know? It almost feels omnipotent. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, he is omnipotent, and that's yeah. kind of the vibe that you get with the penguin. He feels like a, uh, a higher power, if you will. So, yeah, it's basically this character, uh, Black Spider, who's not a new character. I've heard of him, but he's mm-hmm. I, you know, I couldn't tell you much about him. Uh, but he's effectively, as we get to the end, we realize what this all is. He's telling Penguin the story as to why he's motivated to be on Penguin's side. Um, so he, you know, he talks about his time in Gotham. He talks about how he was hired by Penguin's kids, the, the Sibs, as he calls them, the siblings, you know, Sibs. Good. It's, it's a good name to refer to them as, yeah. you know. Um, and, he, you know, he'd go after... Uh, this you know meth lab or whatever it is mm-hmm. or maybe a cocaine lab yep. and 
he kills everyone there. This apparently is uh I I think he mentions what villain owns this place, but it's not it's not Was Rid- it? it's not Riddler. I think it's Falcone. Yeah, because yeah. two of the guys are dressed in Riddler outfits, mm-hmm. but they're just Riddler goons who have been hired for this job. They're not actually yep. working for Riddler right now. Which is a, an interesting mm-hmm. little detail that I quite liked actually. But it, basically he goes in and kills everyone he was meant to leave one person alive right that was the, mm-hmm. the thing he says he's i meant to leave one person alive to spread the 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 fear and spread who did this and whatnot mm-hmm. uh but he gets annoyed at the guy that he's trying to tell the, the the message to and just kills him instead um and he's like i'll leave a note but it turns out that the siblings don't like this very much and they you know, the the bad mouth them and what's so interesting is that they're berating him and saying that they're only going to pay him half of what he was going to get paid. Mm-hmm. But his narration the entire time or his like, you know, storytelling to, to Penguin is how much in his head he was thinking about killing them and like how he would do it and how easy it would be. But he doesn't. And we find out over the next few parts of the story that he wasn't being paid with money. He was being paid with venom, as in, you know, Bane venom. Yep. Not for himself, right? He does talk about how he used to be an addict and he's not anymore yep. and he hates addicts and that's why he likes killing people at drug labs. But yep. he's getting it because his boyfriend is sick and the venom actually makes him feel okay, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever he's got um, goes away when he's as long as he's getting regular doses mm-hmm. of venom. So he's doing this for someone he cares about, and that's what keeps him in line. That's what's stopping him from just losing his shit and killing the siblings. Is he needs this source of venom, and they're driving up the price. They want him to do another job to earn more venom. So he, you know, he takes that job. Um, and of course he accidentally kills one guy again like you know we we don't see the whole job this time we just see the tail end of it and he shoots the guy and he falls in the water and he's like shit god damn it yeah and then out of nowhere is a full page spread of batman standing behind him which didn't make me pop i thought that was a really nice reveal Mm -hmm. mainly because batman was never mentioned the whole issue Mm -hmm. but we know he's in gotham so it makes sense that at some point he may attract the attention of batman Mm mm-hmm so, yeah, uh, he gets away from Batman by jumping in the filthy Gotham River <laughs> because yeah. no one can see underneath. He used to as a kid. I did like that, too. He's like, we used to go to see how far we could go. And just like, oh, man, Gotham kids are different. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he talks about stinking, how half of his mm-hmm. friends died of cancer. and yep. Like, he doesn't know that came from the river, but he thinks it does. No. <laughs> yeah. He says he pukes up a gallon of water or what's supposed to be water. And you're just like, ugh. But he goes home to to his boyfriend after like laying low for a bit so as not to attract Batman and finds just two penguin toys in his bed instead of his boyfriend. Uh, so the siblings kidnap the boyfriend and mm-hmm. when he goes to get him, they beat the shit out of Black Spider. Uh, he's just asking for, for his boyfriend, Daniel, as he needs him back. And... They basically say, we're going to do more jobs for us, uh, and if you don't, we're going to kill him. So, yeah, we see him, like, you know, tied up, chained up in, like, a a crappy room, bloody nose, all that. Mm -hmm. So it just, it really sets up the motivation of, like, why he's going to want to help Penguin. He's he's probably got the most motivation out of any of the characters that have been introduced so far. In fact, it's almost interesting, because we don't really know how this conversation started, but it, it does almost frame it as if 
he came to Penguin wanting yeah. to help. Like, he's not just being recruited. He is actively looking to be on the opposing side. Because it felt like an interview at the beginning, right? It does, yeah. And, and then when you start going through, it's like, oh, no, this is not an interview at all. Um, so, you know, because he, yeah, so he talks about how he used to be a... Uh, 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 an addict as well. And he went through, you know, the program in that, you know, he, but you have to go through part of that is, is you have to submit to a higher power and it doesn't have to be God or anything like that, just something bigger than yourself. Um, and so he says, and you say, I surrender to a higher power and his, and this is where, you know, King has a lot of fun with the cuss words where everything's bleeped, you know, and his bleeping name is Oswald, Oswald Cobblepot. And that sets the tone for the entire uh, rest of the issue but as it gets going you're like oh this is not just a, an interview this is him seeking penguin out whereas penguin the rest of the issues have been him seeking them this guy let you know went to him uh and is seems they're going to be an integral piece right because he's closer to the siblings than anybody else has been yeah basically because he's still actively working for them mm-hmm. uh Pot describes him as the spy he's got his team of mercenaries he's got mm-hmm. his concierge the help now he has a spy. Uh, admittedly, I, I, you do have to float the concept that maybe this guy is lying, that maybe this is actually an attempt to, you know, fight against Penguin. But, I mean, I'm just, I'm throwing that out there as a possibility. I don't necessarily yeah. think that. I'm just, you know, it's always possible. But yeah. it does make it feel really big when you get that final page and you finally see mm-hmm. the other side of the room and you see Penguin with everyone that he's recruited behind yeah. him. And, uh, you know, that final panel of the city and be like, yeah, the city's not ready for us. Like, we, we know this is the Bat book, right? It's the Penguin. But uh, except for the first issue, we haven't had any Batman. So when Batman had showed up in this one, and it's such a shock, it, it almost feels like a slasher villain, right? It's almost like Jason's suddenly there. Because even his reaction, he's like, ah, oh, this bleeping day, when he realizes that Batman's behind him. It was such a good moment. Yeah, there was some interesting thing. Just to go back to the idea of addiction, there was some interesting mm-hmm. stuff in here where the siblings, when they show him his boyfriend chained yeah. up, you know, he does acknowledge that he's effectively addicted to his boyfriend now, even if yeah. he's not addicted to a substance anymore. Right. Earlier on, he describes Batman as being an addict. He's addicted to fighting crime and saving mm-hmm. the city. We're all addicted to something, as he puts it. And yeah. it does sort of put into question that the overall theme of the book and the idea that Penguin... Like, he was away from his addiction, but him going back to take his city, is that him going back to, you know, his one true addiction, you know? Which is power, right? And so, so, you know, if if, if Black Spider's looking at him as, like, the higher power, right? Is Gotham, you know, Penguin's higher power, and that's that's at the, the point of controlling him, makes him no different than Batman? Right, they're just on opposite sides of things, mm. you know, because because Batman wants to control Gotham as well, but in a different way than Cobblepot wants to, um, and so uh, yeah, and then you know how much different his kids are running things, right? They seem to be a little bit more brutal and efficient than Oswald was, where Oswald kind of let people, you know, yeah, yeah, you owe me later. These guys are not having any of that. Like you messed up twice, that's one too many. You know, we're, we're taking things in our own hands. Oh, yeah. The, the sister starts beating them up with a stick, and mm-hmm. the panels all go red. The coloring, you know, makes a big deal of it. It's like, you know, she's, she's seeing red almost. 
Yeah. Um, I think one of the things is that all the interview pages where we're just looking at him across the table mm-hmm. telling the story, they're all just straight nine panel grids. Yeah. And it really grounds those pages in like a really straightforward, like, you know, like this is just someone sitting down telling the story. But as mm-hmm. soon as you go into the actual flashbacks and the story he's telling, the layouts are all very different. You know, they're just whatever fits for the scene. They're all, they, you know, mm-hmm. some, some have angled panels, some have just more uh segmented things somehow yeah. whatever it, you know but the idea that every time you go back to him telling the story it's just these straight nine panel grids it really gives this sense of this is where he's just calmly telling the story but when we're in the story we get the panel layouts to kind of help tell what the, the the feeling of the emotion is and all that so mm-hmm. uh yeah i i think it's a really well done issue it feels a little bit different to the other ones because it yep. is from this slightly different perspective almost uh i mean the books always play with perspective i mean right from issue one it was always it's never oswald's perspective it's always someone else this might be the first one where it's entirely been one person's perspective yeah but uh so but it's certainly but it certainly set him apart from all the other characters that he's recruited and Mm -hmm. it feels like the final piece of the puzzle before we go go into the city so he's got his crew also curious too that his daughter that's also very similar to Penguin's inciting incident when he has to go back and he beats up the tailor, you know, and then we, we learned the, the rule of thumb mm. uh, parable from, from him. So uh, also very similar there, you know, it's King, you know, playing with the, you know, don't forget these are still Penguin's kids, you know, they, they got this from somewhere, but yeah, uh, that, that final page where you see the whole crew behind him, right. With the help. His ex-wife, the Fourth of July. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, because well, that's his consigliere, right? That's his you know, advisor that he talks about there at the end with yeah. the spy and, and yeah, all the that, helps so. the muscle and the the team mm-hmm. of the goons. Yes, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I was doing it from memory earlier, so I didn't remember yeah. the exact word. And, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, this is probably what the uh, this is probably considered the end of the first arc. I imagine the first mm-hmm. trade will end with this issue. Is the the cliffhanger yeah. of now they're going to the city. Uh, which makes perfect sense. But I, I think it's been a great first arc. I think all the issues have felt really stand out. I don't think mm-hmm. any of them have been as good as issue. I, issue one was like a masterclass mm-hmm. of an issue, yeah. but they've yeah. all been great to really solid and built up the the, 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 the anticipation of like, a, what is he actually going to do once he gets mm-hmm. out of the city and fights his kids? <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good because each of them have their own thing where they're kind of episodic, but they also stand alone, right? Because the second issue was was the help, him going through and pulling the help out of retirement. Yeah. Right. And that was that tag. And then the the third issue was was him assembling the Force of July, uh, and trying to give them what they want or forcing them to go. And then the fourth was the getting his ex wife in yeah. Vegas. You know. So each of them they feel very episodic. Um, yeah. It's it's like yeah. If I was to sort of rank them, issue one is definitely the best of the mm-hmm. five. I'd maybe put issue four second. I think the wife yeah. issue was really good. The way that played out like yeah. a heist and like the mm-hmm. the build up to the payoff. Yeah. And then after that, maybe this issue. Yeah, this one was really strong because just the, the how I kept going back to the nine panel with him talking, it, it really set a pace for it, you know? Yeah. And it made that final page where it turns to the other side of the room and yep. it's not nine panels. It's, it's a more cinematic thing where yep. it's the full reveal of the, the group and then the Mm-hmm. the wide screen panel of like penguin's face saying all right it's time to go to gotham boys it, yep. it felt like a big build-up uh like which... i hate 
I hate the penguin, but I'm kind of rooting for him after, you know, like he's <laughs> Tom King's done it. He's made you care for that, that low life, you know? Uh, but, but yeah, it's some really solid stuff. I'm glad, glad I decided to read this one. This is another Tom King, you know, victory lap, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. What are you rating the penguin issue five? Uh, this is an 8.5. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Okay, <laughs> I, have to I think about it. Higher. I thought you're. I thought you'd give it the nine. I was. I was, I was a little tempted, but yeah. I, I think you know, thinking about compare it to the other issues that, that mm-hmm. it's had. If I'm ranking this one third, I think eight point five feels about right. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, issues two and four, like, like the help issue might be the weakest of the five, and that's saying something because it was still very, very good. Yep. So, uh, all right. Amazon's Attack, issue three, Josie Campbell, writing mm-hmm. with Vasco Georgiev on the mm-hmm. on the art. Or was it Gorgiev? Gorg- I mean, either way, you're close. You're closer than you ever have been. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I did my bestest, okay? Yeah. I my bestest. Uh, so, yeah, this is a really interesting, you know, obviously Flash has tried this as, with the second book for Speed Force, mm-hmm. and we hated that. I think... Josie Campbell's second Wonder Woman book, Amazon's Attack, or I should say Wonder Wonder Woman family book. Maybe a better way of putting that. Uh, I'm digging this. I'm digging this because it's tying into what's going on in Wonder Woman because we've got this whole Amazon's like refugee crisis, mm-hmm. which is referenced repeatedly in this. In fact, the first couple of pages are showing it was basically the Amazon's like making their case to, like, Themyscira why they should leave, right? And go help. Yeah, it's like, hey, no, like, the the man's world could use someone like me for this. And one of them's like, oh, I've got a a partner in the the mainland that I want to go Mm -hmm. and live with or whatever. And then, obviously, it's contrasted on the the right side of the page with, like, all the the hate crimes and the the Mm -hmm. riots and the picketing and all that. And it's like, okay, it's really doing a good job of, like, fitting into all of this. Um... And this issue deals with this mysterious ship, the Asylum, uh, which they're not mm-hmm. really sure what that is quite yet. Um, I did get a good chuckle out of Mary walking about in her civvies and Nubia being like, who the hell are you? Uh-huh. <laughs> and she's like, oh, fine, Shazam. <laughs> oh, you were oh, you were the same one? Oh, what is going on? Yeah, I liked all, I liked all of that. And, and to be fair to Nubia, she's got a lot going on. Oh, sure, you know? sure, sure. So, you yeah. know. So basically, they they all decide to split up because they've got different things to investigate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mary's going to investigate uh, Savannah's daughter, right? Which makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, that was going to be with Yara, but Yara's like, "Screw that! I'm going to go and deal with, uh, you know, my, my, my people are missing. I need yeah. to find them. Yeah, because yeah. that's where they are. That's where the ship. That's where they because yeah. they came yes, here at the end of last that. issue. Yeah. Yep. Um. And then Io, or Io, how do you pronounce the other character's That'd name? That would be Io. Io? I'd say yeah. Io. Uh, she's off to investigate something, and she's been given the bunny, Hoppy, to teleport her elsewhere uh-huh. uh, to go with Nubia to, to investigate. So, yeah, they all split up in their own missions, right? Yara kind of says, piss off, I'm not Wonder Girl, leave me alone. So she leaves the book for now, and we have Nubia and Io going to investigate uh, they they go to was it Greece and it turns out Greece yep. is like the one country that's taken in refugees like Amazons 
mm-hmm. and Nubia and I were like, but a lot of these people aren't even Amazons. Like I don't, you know, I don't know them. Mm-hmm. And the woman there explains, well, that's because anyone who even like sympathizes with the Amazons is now being targeted by certain people. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the Amazons themselves that are that are getting attacked or, or need help. So uh, it's like, okay, this is adding a lot to the main Wonder Woman book, I feel. This is like really diving yeah. in. It's almost like, because I would say the main book's not really done too much with the, that part of it since it introduced it, which is the idea that, yeah, like the yeah. Amazons are being like turned away and hunted and being deported and stuff like that. Like, right. We got we got a couple of it in the main book where, where they follow the one uh, that lives at the house that has the daughter. Yeah, right? that was the big scene we got, yeah. And that was, we got that, but nothing else. So this is good that Campbell's handling kind of the periphery of what Diana's going on. So King can just focus on Diana's story, right? Yeah. Versus the sovereign versus it's, this is the greater picture. It's a nice compliment to it, I think, mm-hmm. in that sense. But it's also doing its own thing because Josie Campbell's also getting to do more with the, the you know, Savannah Jr. Yep. And that connection to Mary Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, which this also does. Uh, so the big thing here is they, they think it's uh what was the name here uh eris who's the goddess you. of chaos yeah they, they think the golden apple is a is a hint that she's behind all of this so that's what they're looking into mm-hmm. uh uh so they're teleporting around trying to look into that once they get a, a sense of that mary goes to the prison where uh savannah jr is mm-hmm. is stationed um, and there's like a weird Arrested Development reference here where the guard yells out no touching which I thought was quite funny uh-huh. so credit for that but it turns out like she was expecting Mary to show up and mm-hmm. she's disappointed she's not figured it out and then two of the guards turn out to be uh, her like henchmen with the phones in their chests that, yep. that's been set up before uh, and maybe it does figure that part out but the alarms go off and uh, Savannah's seems to be escaping, which did make me question this a little bit. Was she just waiting at the prison until Mary showed up before she made mm-hmm. her escape? It feels a bit weird that she didn't just well, leave already, but, you know. Yeah, but I think, yeah, it, you know, like any good villain, they have a plan so they can monologue, you know. Um, but I, I do like the attitude of Savannah Jr. here, of like, come on, Mary, you're better than this. You're smarter. Just You should be working with me. You know, you, you can be my best student. I just, I love that because in my experience with Savannah and Captain Marvel or the Captain, whatever we're calling him now, it's very much just adversarial. He doesn't, you know, he wants the power of Shazam or whatever. Mm. But here there is this kind of student mentor dynamic that Savannah Jr. is keeping going. It's so. very, yeah, it's a very corrupt mentor. Yeah. But it's, yeah, there's still this sort of mm-hmm. trying to make her a better, mm-hmm. you know, villain yeah. effectively. Uh, but when Mary mentions Eris... Uh, mm-hmm. Savannah just starts laughing like, well, I'm not working with her. That's yeah. what you thought? Oh, what a disappointment. You don't, you've mm-hmm. not even figured out what's really going on. Uh, so she she gets out. Mary ends up trapped in the prison with Count Vertigo and a bunch of other prisoners. Yeah. So that's where we leave her. Um, the, 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 the thing, the, 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 the gimmick here being that she can't just Shazam in front of people because it'll reveal right. who she is. So she's sort of darting around in her civvies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, basically Savannah's talking to her henchmen in the van and she's like, yeah, none of them know what's going on. They, they think this is happening, but they don't have a clue. Um, so, mm-hmm. 
yeah, the, the, it builds up towards the end as she's narrating all this stuff. Um, and we get this this ending where Io sees that Eris is not behind all this. She's actually been killed and is skewered to the tree of golden mm-hmm. apples. So, because obviously they went off to find Eris thinking she was behind this. And it's like, no, yep. no, she's been killed. There's someone else behind this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good cliffhanger. Sets up, you know, wh- whatever we're doing uh, next issue. Well, and Nubia goes missing too. And also, it's not Io. I got that wrong. That's Queen Faruka, right? She's the queen of the Fauna McDowell. Someone um, gets called Io early on, though. No? Yeah, because there is. It's one of the Amazonians that leaves, too. Oh. She she works for Nubia. Yeah, she's she's Nubia's kind of second-in-command. Oh, apologies, um, everyone. I was calling someone fine. the wrong name but the whole issue. Because when they said Faruka on here, I was like, oh, yeah, that's not Io. That's Faruka. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm, not, yeah. fami- I, I'm not familiar with this character as much, so yeah. I, I, I learned that name early on and thought it was her mm-hmm. and just kept calling her that the whole issue. Yeah. And um, so... When they when they transport to Eris's realm, right? It's just Faruka and Hoppy, and then um, Nubia's gone, and so that's where they well, turn around. So that that's also curious. Well, it's not before they transport to the realm because they because they, they're already there. They see the mm-hmm. tree like through this entrance, and yeah. it's when they go into the entrance where there's a flash of light, yeah, and that's where like Nubia's disappeared. So yeah, uh, we don't know where Nubia is, but. They did seem to be, like, in the mm-hmm. same place as the tree before that, though. Yeah. So, curious to see what's going on there, and who who could it be if not Eris? Like, because they also bring up Hestia, and that Hestia is, you know, so when they bring up Eris, and as the goddess of chaos, she did not represent the ideals of Greek society, especially for women, right? Because she was very much like one of the male gods, uh, in that she was very much... You know, uh, what do they say here? She, I gotta go back because it's the the one lady in Greece where, you know, she was depicted as an angry woman and aggression was a virtue of man. Loving servitude was the expectation of the woman. So her counter was Hestia. This is the first time they bring up Hestia and she's like the goddess of the hearth and domestic and um, she's ready to serve the, you know, quote unquote ideal woman. So I'm wondering if Hestia has something to do with this because why bring up her? you know, versus, you know, uh, Eris. But also it doesn't seem to me like Hestia crucifying somebody up on the tree like that. That's that's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. For, for someone, for one of the, you know, lesser gods to have done. But but yeah, um, it's not every day you get a, a, a murdered god in the, in the pages of a, you know, Wonder Woman book. So pretty, pretty, pretty big deal, whoever this was. Yeah, no, I'm having fun with this book. I think mm-hmm. Josie Campbell's really good with uh, the dialogue and the banter between yep. the characters mm-hmm. and building a, a nice, you know, a nicely paced story. I felt like I got a nice mm-hmm. chunk of stuff between the two plot lines going on in this. Like, once they all split up, if it, it, it did a good job of feeling different from the first couple issues because it felt like, okay, mm-hmm. they're splitting up now as opposed to sticking together and mm-hmm. we can advance the plots in different ways. Uh, so, really good stuff. Um, yep. Yeah, what are you giving uh, Amazon's attack? I'm going to 7.5. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I'll agree with that, yeah. So, all right, cool. Justice Society of America, issue 8. Jeff Johns writing with Mikhail Yannin on the art. So, this is uh, 
more of the characters that Helena wants to recruit, these villains that will one day be redeemed on the JSA, mm-hmm. or at least aware in her future, as it's pointed out in this book. Her future is not necessarily going to exist anymore, though, because they've stopped a lot of the things from happening. So uh, that said, though, it's a very cynical outlook from some of the characters to be like, well, I guess these characters will never be redeemed. Then. Like, no, they could still be redeemed. If it happened mm-hmm. in one timeline, it could happen in this one. Stop yeah. being so cynical, Alan. Come on now. <laughs> well, and I also love where they go, where you still going to try Grundy? And she's like, yeah, Monday's coming up. <laughs> I, that, was a, that was a fun little moment. Yeah, I got a chuckle out of that. Uh, so it set, starts off in, in Moscow. There's a nice little uh, kind of snowy thing mm-hmm. where these two guys are chasing down this woman. But it turns out she's got a red ring. It's the Crimson mm-hmm. Flame. And she burns them to a crisp. Really fun couple of pages uh, that are very menacing. And uh, the evil eyes and all that. So it sets up her. And then, you know, this is Ruby Sokov. And it does that really nice comic book thing where it goes to the, the, the Hall of Justice. Or, well, not the Hall of Justice. That's the Justice League. You know what I mean? Yeah. The JSA headquarters. The, just, the JSA Brownstone. Yeah. Um, and they're like, okay, this is who this is, right? We've heard that she's burned some people and they start talking about who she is. So it does that thing where you get the big opening with all the bombastic art and the big thing, but then you get this page right after it explaining, okay, this is who this is. This is why we should care. She is somehow, you know, she's the, the daughter of, you know, the Red Lantern. Vladimir. Yeah. Because we need a Russian name. And Alan so. is like, no, 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 this is bad. He's definitely dead. You know, she may be looking for him, but trust me, he's dead. Uh, which probably ties into the, the, the book that he's got right now, which sadly we didn't like enough to keep reading. Yeah. But, you know, worth mentioning. So, yeah. Um, Alan's been really pissy about this and wants to go off and, and sort of look into it himself. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's quite cold about it. But we get more scenes in in Russia where the the Red Lantern is 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 attacking the soldiers, looking for her dad. Uh, there's a great page here actually where she like she kills the guards out front, and she goes in and there's this page where it's split into four horizontal panels more or less, although they're, they're at an angle. But it mm-hmm. does the thing where you see her going through the building, and the transitions between the the panels are sort of. You know, levels. Yeah, it's it's like um one like so on one panel she fires her blast at a couple of guards and she walks in the elevator. So then on the right hand of the page you get the elevator actually crossing over between the two panels, and then you see her do some more stuff on that panel, and then at the left hand side of the page you get the ladder going down into the other panel. So it sort mm-hmm. of flows really nicely throughout the the whole thing. And then there's a green glow on her face in this little circular panel at the bottom which tells mm-hmm. you that Alan's there. But what's so effective about it is that there's not a hint of green in this entire scene before that panel. Yep, anyway, until that little circle. Yeah, it's all bottom. reds and yellows and a bit of blue because her outfit's kind of blue and red. Mm-hmm. But there's not a single touch of green. So that green glow feels so impactful when <laughs> you see it on her face. Also, so. it just dawned on me that she's red right? Mm-hmm. Her dad was the Red Lantern with the Crimson Flame. Her name is Ruby. Yeah, Ruby. Alan has a... Huh? Yeah, Ruby meaning red. Yes, it's, it's very intentional. Alan has a daughter with green skin named Jade. Why Ruby. is it taking me till now to put this together? Ruby and Jade, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm just saying, like, it's... 
it's one of those John's things that I didn't think about until right this instant, you know? Now, there's a moment so. where I realized they called her Ruby, and I went, oh, very good, yes. Yep. Yes, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Yeah, they have a bit of fight. Uh, Alan tries to tell her that her dad's not been held here because she thinks mm-hmm. he is. And, um, yeah, uh, goes actually makes a fiery construct of her father to come mm-hmm. after Alan, uh, which is also a great page. It's a very quick read, this issue, by the way, yeah. because these pages are, are so action-focused mm-hmm. with very little dialogue. But yeah. uh, Alan's able to blast her with enough green light to kind of win the fight. Uh, we come back to them in a little bit. Uh, we do get a quick page or two with the others uh, talking about Grundy, talking about other people that Helena wants to go after. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Harley Quinn's son being the one that they're going to go after next. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Courtney kind of suggests that to be the next target. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's a lot of the other GSA. It's Helena talking to Stargirl mm-hmm. and Jane, Jakeem and uh, was it Salem? Salem, the witch girl, yeah. Um, also the, this is like the, uh, a couple other books keep doing this where they keep bringing up Starman and they bring up Kyle Knight, who is, um, Jack Knight from Starman from the James Robinson, uh, book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, he, he's going to become someone called the mist, but at this point he's five. So like, this is also John's progressing the Jack Knight story. Uh, which I think is kind of nice, since him and Robinson are so close. He had to think he would have gotten the okay to do that, right? Because we Jack is one of the characters that never shows up in anything, you know. Yeah. Um, and it always feels like there's just a respect from creators there. Um, but I thought that was def- definitely interesting that he's given him a son that's still only five years old, and that that's played up for laughs um, when when they're suggesting the gentleman ghost, you know because that's who else was on Helena's team. So you got a five-year-old, you got a dead man. It's, you know, she wants to do the impossible here. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I mean, that's just obviously further and the other stuff, because, I mean, the end of the issue says next time the Harley Quinn's son, so that's setting yep. up what's happening next issue. But we go back yep. to Alan and Ruby, mm-hmm. uh, who actually have went to a, a bar or a pub to uh, to talk about mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, So... And he's explaining, look, he's definitely dead. I saw him die. Mm-hmm. Like, come on now. Um, but she, what's interesting here is he, like, he, he, he basically she can sense that he's lying, right? Yeah. Um, because she says, you know, don't pretend that he was your friend. He was your enemy. And there's a great beat here where he, there's a panel with no dialogue, and then a second panel where he says he was. Uh, you know, to say he's agreeing that he was his enemy, right? The the red lantern mm-hmm. was his enemy, and then she goes, "Wait, I sense another lie," which is obviously hard learning that maybe there was more to the mm-hmm. relationship between Alan and the red lantern or the the crimson flame than she she was aware of. Like, there's something more yeah. to it. Obviously, we were getting hints to that in those first couple issues of of his mm-hmm. book, which was setting up the entire backstory of this. But yeah, um, yeah, so. Yeah, uh, basically Alan's like, yeah, like Helena wants to recruit you. She sees you as some kind of hero, so I'm going to take you back to talk to her, and then like it's up to you to convince me she's right because right now obviously he doesn't want to trust her. So mm-hmm. the issue ends with them flying off. It actually looks quite quite pretty. It's just these the red and green streaks of light going through the snowy sky of of mm-hmm. Russia, 
Um, but at the end of the issue, there's a hooded figure uh, watching this and being disappointed that this is happening. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, so why don't you tell us about who this is, Matt? I have no idea who this is. Okay, I thought you might. <laughs> um, he he looks like Pharaoh Lad, right? Um, because um, I mean, we, Alan Scott but we, found it before I could. We should say he says Legionnaire out. To whoever yeah, he's talking out. to, he says mm-hmm. Legionnaire out at the end. Yeah, but he looks like Pharaoh Lad. So Pharaoh Lad's one of the um, one of the the Legionnaires that he wore a mask like that. Um, I think he had he had metal control powers, I believe. Mm. And then like where he was where he was solid like like iron, something along those lines. Uh but we do know from solicits that we're getting the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually up. I should point out here, he doesn't actually say anything particularly villainous. He just says no. that he was looking for Red Lantern, but Alan Scott found her first. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean bad. No. So worth mentioning. Uh yeah. that said though, he's got a bit of a gimp looking mask. Yeah. Uh, so he looks kind of villainous to me, but I mean, you know. Well, again, and that—that's to me why. Um, that's again to me why it—it it seems like it's Feral Lad, just because of that. Uh, that mask. Let me let me just double check. But yeah, we again. This was not so much of a surprise. No, Feral Lad's is a bit different. Uh, Feral Lad's doesn't have the mouth, like the gimpy okay. mouth. So it could be a new character. Hmm. I mean, we know Johns likes to do that. He likes to create Legionnaires. Yeah. Um, and we you know there was—I don't know how much you remember of the Legion of Three Worlds, but there was that that triplicate kind of girl that had the red. I think it was red, blue, and green kind of Green Lantern powers. I'm wondering if that ties in to this because now mm-hmm. we have the red flame, the crimson flame. Who's to say there's not a blue one they find in the future, right? Yeah. Um, Along those lines. I, so. I don't know. My only concern is with the delays between issues that I'm going to forget this cliffhanger. Like, I'll remember mm-hmm. the stuff with the main characters, but it's these little teases at the end that I'm going yeah. to forget. So hopefully I still can remember this when he pops back up later. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed this issue. I, I think mm-hmm. the... the this uh, You know, focusing on this other character here for this issue of, of the, the Crimson Flames daughter and setting up the future stuff like i think it's solid i think yannin's art is fantastic uh it really makes all the stuff with with uh the young red lantern really memorable uh with her attacking mm-hmm. the guys in the street and then looking for her father the way the layouts like of her going through the building and then the fight with alan with the red and green colors you know fighting each other all really good stuff like uh, this does feel like a, a an old school jeff john's comic book I wish the yeah. issues were on time every month, just so that mm-hmm. I it had a good pacing to it. But wouldn't wouldn't forget because I, I can't tell you what the last issue was about. Oh, it was the Grundy fight, know? I think. Yeah, that probably. Um, but there's so so much time in between, like it's tough yeah. to 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 remember. But I I like it when I read it. For so, sure. For sure. You know. Uh, but yeah, so I'm looking at Legion of Substitute Heroes, and I don't see anybody that looks like that. So maybe this is a new, you know, or it's a new take uh, on on them. But but yeah, um, pretty pretty curious to see where this where this all goes with how the Legion plays out. Um, yeah. All right. What are you giving a uh, Justice Society of America issue eight? Ah, uh, this is giving this an eight. Yeah, I think I'll go seven point five. But mm-hmm. I, I had a good time. I I'd probably go higher if if uh, 
like it, it is probably just on its own little island a little bit more than it should be because mm. of the, the delays between issues um but uh, maybe it does deserve the i don't know now i'll go 7.5 but I, like i'm enjoying it I, I do always look forward and get yeah. into these uh john's issues all right so because we didn't read the alan scott book um i just pulled up the character of vladimir sokov uh huh. So essentially, he is their version of the Winter Soldier. Um, he he, you know, we we saw the origin with him going into the Crimson Flame, right? Okay. And then that added to that, he ends up in the Soviet Union and takes on the name Vladimir Sokov, joining the Red Army, becoming a Russian patriot and one of their most decorated soldiers. So yeah, um, so I'm sure that's all going to play out in in the Alan Scott book, but yeah, so this is. Vladimir is Johnny, his long lost love. Um, which, that's all, that's know, what I was thinking. Yeah. Yep. But so, so the fact here that he's talking to the daughter and all of this and the stuff that she's hinting at, um, again, this would all have been really cool if they were on time because then we could have had that and then we could look forward to the Alan Scott book to try to figure out what's going on. You know, now they're kind of offset where that issue comes out the same day as this one, you know, uh, but yeah. Uh anyways, that that's the solves that or puts that to uh not bad, but you know what I mean. Yeah. That, that solves that out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a shame I don't like the writing in the Alan Scott book cuz mm-hmm. uh, I would have enjoyed reading the the story of that, but hey. Yeah. Uh as what it is. All right. Batman Santa Claus Silent Night issue 4, mm-hmm. Jeff Parker writing with Danny Kim and Steven Segovia on the art. So it seems like they had to really break out some different artists to make sure this got done all in time. Uh, so yeah, because you know, I had a very strict release schedule, uh, being mm-hmm. this Christmas book over the four weeks. So yeah, um, it was a fun conclusion. Like I had a good time. Uh, it's not. Yeah, it was. It was fine. It just it kind of when it's revealed of who's behind everything, it was kind of a letdown to me, just because it kind of felt like I don't know. I feel like they, they built it up to be something bigger and then, you know, what they ended up being was kind of like, oh, okay, this is fine. I you thought know? you would be into the idea of some of the people in the Phantom Zone being being there so long that they're basically yeah. just ghosts now. I thought yeah, you might have been into that. I mean, that that's part of the lore. Like, that's fine. But, like, I was starting to think maybe Eclipso, right? Something along oh, the whoa, lines. Oh, Matt, this is yeah. the last issue of this book. There was no way they were introducing Eclipso and dealing I mean, with it in the same issue. I I, I think they, they could have. I think with the when mm. he's dealing with possession and that type of stuff and you know even the black diamond and all of these things. The corrupting power of it, maybe that has something to do with Crumpus, but I mean yeah, the ghost from the Phantom Zone, ghost showing up on Christmas is a is an old thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh three ghosts to that. Yeah, exactly. So it does play into it, but you know. I'm not gonna lie and say that I wasn't a bit tad underwhelmed, but I did like a lot of the the little moments. I mean, that I, happened in this one. You know, Damien's held captive by Krampus, and Damien mm-hmm. basically get, tries to get out of it by playing mm-hmm. the role of scared child and saying mm-hmm. that he won't do bad anymore, which yeah. makes Krampus not want to kill him because yeah. the spirit inside him is like, "Kill him, kill the boy." Yeah, and he's like, "No." Because he's scared into not wanting to do bad things, and obviously, which is what Krampus wants. Yeah, and Damien's you know, just playing the part, job. of course. But he, mm-hmm. you know, it, so yeah, yeah. Uh, they use Blue Beetle to kryptonite the hell out of Superman, who's possessed mm-hmm. with uh, two of the spirits. Yeah. Uh, o- overclocks the scarab, though. 
So yeah, which yeah. It wasn't something that I knew that the that the that Kaji Da could. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, there's a bit of an avalanche, and then some more of the Justice League show up to help, uh, which is all fine and well. Mm. Uh, Clark's like, I recognize what those spirits were. They were from mm-hmm. the Phantom Zone. So it actually ties in that where Krampus was stuck <laughs> was the Phantom mm-hmm. Zone, which is really funny, actually, uh, from a, a lore perspective. But uh, yeah, basically, Santa can like sense children through trees, and that sort of brings in the idea of the Christmas tree. And then mm-hmm. that's how he knows how where kids are all over the world is because yep. the trees act as like a conduit. So he basically figures out where Damien is by feeling the trees <laughs> and yeah. they go and get him uh you know fake krampus but krampus ends up helping a little bit and is reunited with santa and santa takes him on his sleigh ride with him uh yep. for, for christmas night but also damien because he's like mm-hmm. hey you know we can't make up just, for w- w- yeah. what happened to you but like we can give you a, a nicer childhood you know yeah uh you, you deserve to be a kid for once yeah, because you know? apparently Damien, when he was five years old, asked for a satellite system to monitor his enemies, and he never got it. So Santa's nope. like, why, why don't you come on a sleigh ride? I mean, he was trying to start the OMAC project at five. So good, <laughs> good, good on you, Santa, for, for sparing us. <laughs> you know? It's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's got a typical Christmas movie-style yeah. ending where Santa's leaving in the sleigh and Everyone's waving goodbye. And Santa says, hey, use my workshop to have a big dinner. Time doesn't move here the same way as the mm-hmm. rest of the world. So all of the Justice League don't have to worry about the world needing help because while you're here, time's not moving forward. So mm-hmm. the Justice League get a big Christmas dinner together mm-hmm. where they all get to be happy. And that's the end of the issue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, it was a fun arc. I, I think it was yeah. a really fun little Christmas book. Um, maybe it could have used like a fifth issue just to sort of like yeah. flesh out the last chunk of it a bit. It felt mm-hmm. like there was a lot being explained here and uh, wrapping up quite quickly. But you know, uh, I think all, all things considered, I had a good time with it. Yeah, no, it was, it was still pretty good. Um, I did love what Jeff Parker did with Santa lore and just Christmas lore in general. Like you, you brought up the stuff with the trees. You know, and you know that that came from people bringing something that was that was green inside for winter was going to be dark and dreary. So it was you know like a promise of of the spring to come. But the fact that he ties in, you know, yeah, Santa can kind of sense things through trees, and that's why we have the Christmas tree because they also I think it was in the last issue how they get to the North Pole was through like a tree portal. Yeah, you know, that so. Right. So, so that played in as well, and just the also the idea of of Santa as kind of this pagan demigod, you know that that has its roots in these Christmas traditions. I also like, you know. So again, if if Jeff Parker gets to do this every year and we get a new, you know, DC Santa story, I think that would be cool. Where you know, I, I don't know what other adventures to do because he he kind of I always think you work towards Krampus, but he came to Krampus out of the gate, so. Um, you know, a Damien and Krampus. I don't. Th- I don't think he was planning in like having a sequel. So yeah, no, no reason. Yeah, no save Krampus. <laughs> no, I understand that, but like, I, I do want a Damien Krampus special sometime. You know what I mean? Wherever Krampus is trying not to carry him off, because Damien is kind of a terrible child. You know, uh, so him him trying to carry him off, I think, would be funny. But 
Yeah, and, and pretty pretty okay. So last chapter was eh, okay, probably the weakest of them for me. Um, but it started with such a bang that it's kind of hard to maintain that, you know. Yeah, I think I probably like the first two issues more than three and four. Mm-hmm. I think I'd say yeah. that. I I will say the art definitely felt a bit more all over the place with this mm-hmm. issue, uh, having the two different artists, neither of which I think were on any of the previous issues either. So yep. uh, definitely felt a little bit more inconsistent. Segovia can be solid, but this did feel a little bit uh, rushed in places. Um, it was, I mean, I think it was definitely the worst art I had this week. Which, don't get me wrong, I had a lot of good art and a lot of books this week. But this one definitely stuck out as being the mm-hmm. only one where I was like, eh, this was only just kind of serviceable at best. Uh, so, eh, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, alright, what are you giving Sal Night issue for? Um, I'll give it a 6.5. Okay, uh... I think I'm happy enough to just give it the seven, but uh, yeah, that's uh, fair enough. All right, uh, Power Girl issue four. Leah Williams mm-hmm. writing with Eduardo Pansica on the art. This is another Matt only book. Take it away. Yeah, so uh, this is essentially the monologue for the symbio ship and how um, how during a fight uh, that led to to Paige, uh, but at the time Kara coming to to this Earth. So they're really leaning on that aspect of, of her origin um, that the uh, a piece of it ended up in this earth and was re- reawakened when a fisherman had found it. Um, and it took him over, saw that Paige was, was still around and basically wants to uh, assimilate back into her um, or have her assimilate back into it. Um, and it, it's saying about how it preferred the alien physiology um, of when it, it got hooked to that alien uh, like pirate character. Um, and so that's where he knew that, he, you know, this was going to be a much bigger deal. So it, it found the, when it got thrown into the water by the alien, when he pulled it out, uh, it found this, the secondary uh, fortress of solitude uh, and found Paige and that lion and so now it's going to take over. And the most of the rest of the issue is a fight between Paige and Superman. And she's got all these weird spines coming out of her. It's coming out of her eye. Uh, Clark's very confused uh, because she's speaking differently, um, but then realizes that it's not her. Um, so he starts playing back. Paige tries to stop, and it does this cool thing with the art to where she is seeing things out of just her eyes. So the arch drawn where, you know, we see Superman coming towards her in just the eye, but then Paige is just in total darkness. Um, and the symbiote ship is taking the form of that lion that she sat with, you know, as it died. Um, and it keeps cutting back in and out. She hits Superman with like the super uh, heat vision and just as about it looks, you know, like it's that's it. And the the symbiote ship's fully taking control. Uh, her best friend Omen shows up with Streaky. Um, and so uh, Omen realizes what's going on. And, and, you know, her and Streaky immediately start going at uh, at Paige where Omen goes into her her mental self and. Um, which subdues the symbiote ship just enough 
for Omen to, on the outside, rip out the piece through her eye uh, and for Streaky to burn it with his heat vision. So there's this real fun little piece of, of Streaky completely obliterating things. Um, she thinks um, uh, Superman dusts himself off. They give Paige a, a, you know, essentially until her eye can heal. She's wearing a bandage over her eye. Uh, she looks totally metal. Um, but she has the feeling like this isn't the last, you know, with the way the symbiote ship shows up, this isn't the last they've seen of it. Um, because, you know, like all Kryptonian technology, it's meant to endure. Uh, and so as uh, one of the, the Keelix robots in the, the uh, Caribbean fortress is trying to, you know, uh, prepare the lion for burial, it, it goes up into the lion and fully takes back control. Um, and so it ends with, with the lion taking like this almost uh, human form. Not human, but what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's human-like, where Humanized. it's standing up on... Yeah, it gets a humanoid appearance, but also very much, like, uh, technological as well. So he's kind of like a Lionborg. Like, it's very weird. Uh, and then he says that he's renamed himself to Symbio, and today's the day he was born. Um, but uh, at, at the same time, Superman goes to talk to Keelix... And uh, Helix has also been taken over because he wants uh, Superman wants Helix to look over him to make sure he's okay after all of this. Uh, so yeah, so this issue basically comes down to just a fight scene between Paige and, and Superman, uh, and just for the symbiote ship to uh, re reveal itself as the the main uh, perpetrator in all of this. Kind of, I don't know where else this book's going to go now because it kind of seems like originally the 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 original premise seemed to be Omen and Paige in their, you know, superhero uh, therapy type session. And this book has kind of done none of that. It, it's gone into Paige being her own person, which is fine. I just don't know now after, you know, if this is just going to be constant symbioship trying to reassimilate her or what. Um, but like, it, it's fine. Again, streaky, streaky uh, uh, vaporizing. The, the piece of the symbiote ship that came out of her was, was a very funny touch. So, um, but yeah, it, it's fine. It's, it, you know, nothing, nothing is emotional as the last issue. And again, for just being a, a, a fight issue with her and Superman, I think it's okay. Um, uh, so, so yeah. So if I'm rating it, uh, it's probably a six. Okay. Alright, well that'll do that the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art and of course top five books. So, what is your panel slash moment of the week? Alright man, there are, there are some good ones from Beast World. The, you know uh, Donna with Garo look pretty cool. Um, uh, action when, when Superman shows up uh, to save to save Otho that's a good moment, but mine's made from Titan Six, and it's going to be that splash page of Corey by Travis Moore, mm. where she had said, you know, she had learned to to fight for herself and or to save herself, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm a little conflicted. I've I've got a few things that I could pick from all different books, mm -hmm. but if I'm 
Hmm. There's like so many things I could pick from Detective. Uh, I feared you were going to go with Detective too, so yeah. I, I left those for you to talk about. I can also, yeah, I can also go with what, like maybe they end in a penguin as well. To be honest, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'll go with Detective. I'll go with. I'll go with the page of uh, Barbados on the on the boat. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, it's a tough call this week. There's a, a mm-hmm. lot of really good things that are kind of equal, as opposed to one thing that's standing out as being mm-hmm. the thing of the week for me. But mm-hmm. I'll I'll go with that. Uh, cover of the week. Um, a lot of books. I didn't actually end up having a lot that I wanted to mention too much, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I'll mention the Diodoto Junior card cover for Flash, which is just the uh the line person face. Mm-hmm. It looks like something from Hellraiser. It's creepy as shit. <laughs> so I was into that. Um, but I'll I'll probably go with the Jason Sean Alexander variant for detective which is like the bat angel skeleton <laughs> and batman yeah it's really it's really creepy i kind of dig it uh i do like the uh, catwoman wanted poster from liam sharp though as well just to mention that's pretty that. good yeah, yeah. But that's been a series of covers because there have been a few mm-hmm. of those uh with different characters in the wanted i think cast was last time uh what's your cover of the week all right so there's there's two i want to bring up and they're both by sweeney boo uh the first one is the power girl uh, variant cover and uh it's just basically Paige in her costume but there's like this white star background going on behind but it looks a lot more like amanda connor than mm. anything else and i just i just like the vibe of it it's very you know light and the water is almost like watercolor type and it looks great but uh, my pick's going to be from the action comics annual and it's going to be the sweeney the sweeney boo um 125 which has got superman and it's done in like uh, purples and pinks uh and like the like the blue is a darker purple there's almost like this red sheen over it that the coloring just looks great uh so that's mine all right uh what's your art of the week this one's tough i haven't narrowed down to to titans and penguin and i, I was hoping you were going to go first because then i could pick <laughs> right one or the other i mean yeah because you... they're both good for their own reasons um, you got Lucas Meyer, you got Travis Moore, you got the mm-hmm. Perkins Alexander combo and Detective. Yeah. Um, Dio and Flash is really good, but yeah, the Delator and Penguin. There's a lot of options to pick from. So yeah, the Delator and Penguin is so understated. Or hell, even the, Yannin on a GSA. Um, just a sec, yeah. right? But just because it took me by surprise, I'll go with Beast World, uh, with Lucas Meyer just because I wasn't expecting it to be as good uh, as it was. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think I will go with... I'll probably go with Detective, I think. The mm-hmm. Alexander Perkins combo. I think it's just all perfect for the book and what it's doing. Yeah. But yeah, I, there's like four or five options that I could have picked this week. It was a very, it was a very, mm-hmm. very strong week. Um overall but should be reflected mm-hmm. in our top five books of the week matt on you go yeah all right so one is um one's gonna be titans two is going to be beast world three is gonna be penguin four is detective and five is mm, five is action comics annual hmm yeah my number one is probably detective my number two is titans my number three is 
Penguin. Number four is Titans Beast World. Number five is... That's probably a... Probably... GSA, I think. I was going to give it to Action, but I think G I think GSA just nudges it out. Just because Action has... Just you know, a couple things that I wish were different. <laughs> so... Yeah. Okay. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's, uh... That is our top five books. I will now tell you what is coming next week from DC Comics, and thankfully we get a quieter week uh, in this hellscape that has been December. Well, it'll be January next week, but you know what I mean. Yep. Uh, we have Batman 141, we have Poison Ivy 18, Shazam issue 7, Birds of Prey issue 5, Blue Beetle issue 5, Fire and Ace Welcome to Smallville 5, uh, Titans Beast World Tour Atlantis, we got Neil Before Zod issue 1, Superman 78, Behind the Metal Curtain, Issue 3, and Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries, Issue 1. Oh, they've renumbered that. Very good. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I only have... Well, four including the tie-in book. Well, I guess five if I'm reading the Zod book. I guess I need to try yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, still, though. Okay. Five is still you much... You said three, and I was looking for ones to cut, and I was like, hey, we don't have to do the Beast World tie-in. We, we, we should have learned. Uh, I mean... You know? If I, if I fit it in in a week where I had 10 other books, it feels really shitty to not read it in the week where I've only got three or four other books. True, plus we get Manta taking on an actual Manta form, it says in the, in the the preview. Who, who's on it? Cena Grace, Frank Thierry, Megan yeah. Fritz-Martin. I mean, Federici's one of the artists. And, at least. and Delandro on art as well, so... I don't remember who Delandro is art-wise. Um, He did the Vigilante book. For not, but yeah, Vigilante? No. Um, Mr. Miracle. Oh, um, okay, all right, yeah. The, okay, the that Shiloh was good. version, yeah, yeah. That was all right, yeah, yeah, that was not bad. So, uh, yeah, I guess I got to read that back up and before I do Zod. We'll see. But yeah, no, I have, I have Blue Beetle and Ivy that you don't, so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a super quiet week, but it is a quieter week than we've mm -hmm. had uh, over these last three weeks, so. Uh, I'll do some Patreon books next week as well. Should be fun. And uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, that has been the show, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us here on Comics from the Multiverse. We do always appreciate it. Uh, let us know what you, you thought of this week's books in the comments, as always. And of course, you can support everything over at patreon.com slash TV and get some bonuses for your trouble. But that is us. So thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.